Yes, we do. Oh, that's cool. What? Cater elaborate. Oh, sorry. Are we are we live live? Wednesday. I was morning conversation. I mean, right we, can, here. we can check back with you in an hour. If it, no, I know. No, I was waiting for the intro music. Clearly, clearly, I the intro. I missed that part. Um, yes, yeah. indeed, we do have. We're, we're alive now. <laughs> I know. Uh, we do have some royals folks who will be um, joining us. Um, Prince William and Kate will be visiting the Caribbean as part of the um, Queen's oh, Jubilee celebration. Tell me they're coming to the Cayman Islands. Um, the, well, the Cayman Islands oddly is not on the list. However, really? um, Jamaica and Belize will be getting a visit. Mm. And um, yes, yeah, so they must be super excited. But who knows? What? I mean, maybe we might. Why not the Cayman Islands? I don't know. Um, so there's some royal, um, workers preparing for the tour this spring and they were, uh, you know, spotted in Belize, uh, making some preparations ahead of the trip. And, um, they said that normally they tend to keep these things very, very secret. Um, but one of the smaller islands was, um, a buzz because, you know, I guess you can't really hide if you're a stranger on that island. And everybody was like, who are these people? Well, maybe that's why these uh, restrictions were in place at Owen Roberts. And then we found out they're not coming here. And it's like, okay, yeah, never mind. Get rid of them. Not, <laughs> yeah. So they're planning a four day uh, visit to Belize in March. And it's part of a longer tour of the entire world that they will be um, undertaking. So, of course, you know, a lot of countries make up they're either still part of the commonwealth or they they were a former colony of um the united kingdom so a lot of people are actually um celebrating the queen's platinum jubilee this year and um this will be part of it so, now why would they go to former commonwealth and not current commonwealth yeah i agree with you Aaron. um I'd really much rather have uh have harry and megan <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah, you, you like a little bit of controversy, don't you? <laughs> I like um, so uh, I don't think we mentioned this yet, but Education Minister Juliana O'Connor Conley actually returned to work this week. She got out of the hospital last week. That's good. So many people might remember that she was um, she transported COVID? via uh, medevac from Cayman yeah. um, Brock. Yeah, and people are having a problem with that. It's like, well, she can't get on a plane with everyone. She has COVID. Sorry, say that again. Everyone was like, why can't she just take a plane? Like, oh, she has God, no. You can't get on a plane. You can't. And the whole, I mean, the whole idea behind a medevac is if you're in the hospital, then obviously, you know, yeah. a lot of times yeah. you're not able to get on a commercial flight. You're not going to wait like in the in the, in the the lounge yeah. at the airport exactly. when yeah. you're not feeling well. Exactly. Uh, no, but, no, but people were like commenting and saying that. It's like, yeah. oh, really? Uh, people are so yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like, like uh, book, book me the next flight five listen, hours from now. I'd rather I'd rather be put to use that that uh, million dollar helicopter. To, you know, yeah, for sure. yeah, right, uh, yeah. So um, she is now uh, back to work. She got out of the hospital last week, and she's on the men's. Hmm. Um, oh, that's so, good news. Yeah, you know, long haul COVID is a very serious thing. So a lot of people here, I think, have not yet figured out that um, that's going to be a concern for a lot of people, even if they didn't necessarily had the worst case of the virus. They may be dealing with symptoms for many, many, potentially even years. Yeah. So Rupert Spence, this guy has got quite a record. Um, he was sentenced yesterday to prison for over six years for um, setting the business center 
offices of the RCIPS uh, on Walker's Road on fire. You guys might remember. That was a while ago. Back in 2020, this happened. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that seems so far away. But I know. Everybody was complaining, a lot. why did I get my police certificate? Well, he was one of the reasons that's, why there was a significant delay. That's right. He set it on fire. No one could get the uh, the their police clearances. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. Six and a half yeah. years he was sent to prison. And a lot of people that's thought it. that this sentence was... An oddly shaped feet. The arsonist had oddly arsonist had oddly shaped feet. Unique New York. A lot of people felt like this um, was a bit um, excessive, but I can assure you that one of the reasons why he Six got years such... for arsony is it excessive. Sorry, oh. wait. They, people are thinking it was excessive or not enough. It was. People are thinking it's excessive. Huh. Yeah, so one of, I know, it's crazy. Probably one of the reasons it. why um, it is six and a half years is because this guy has a lengthy record. He has some 62, 65, let me not take anything off his record, 65 previous convictions. What? Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Everything from traffic-related offenses, um, insult, uh, including assault, possession of a firearm. Um, Three strike rule. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, he's on his 65 strike rule. And so it's a lot of stuff that he's been up to. Um, I think this is not the first time he's been involved in setting stuff ablaze. Um, and here, this very, very interesting tidbit he was seen on CCTV footage celebrating as the fire service drove to and from the scene of the fire. Well, and as so, an arsonist. Yeah, I mean, that's you your are main proud goal. of your work. Uh, yes. So, but. He's done this before, and then you say firearms and all these other offenses, and everyone's still saying six years is too long, enable us much. It's crazy. Mm. Driving while disqualified, he loves to do that. Um, he loves it. It's just a really long, long list of offenses. But anyway, I mean, he's found mentally fit. They found, um, you know, a psychiatric report found that he actually understood the gravity of his actions, despite um, Justice Richards saying that she was considering his mental health you know exactly what's going on with him uh she still found that um he was fit to go to jail for 78 months so uh, of course he only served 60 percent of that sentence in any event so he'll be out early folks something to look forward to yeah so exciting all righty anything else yeah. yes uh the world's oldest pub yeah yes is going to be closing due to covid so ye old fighting cocks is what the name of the club is. Uh, England's oldest pub um, is expected to close soon due to the economic difficulties that it has been, it's found itself in caused by the coronavirus pandemic. So the property's landlord has made this announcement. Um, the pub dates back to um, the 11th century, but it moved to its current location in 1539. Wow. What's That's it called again? Ye old it's called Ye Old Fighting Cocks in St. Albans, England. Ye Old Fighting Cocks. We're in St. Albans? So, yeah, in England, yeah. So, um, it's unfortunate, but over 10,000 licenses. I, I think it's just hard to say. That's why it's closing. People are like, hey, where do you want to go tonight? Do you want to go down to, to uh, Fidel's or do you want to go to Ye Old Fighting Cocks? I don't know. Yeah, I'm you sure probably can say it until you start having a few. That's kind of the ye old fighting cock. I'm sure people say it. No, like, yeah, I don't know if it's that big. It? I don't. I don't even know if it's a populated area. I don't know where the pub is. Is it? Do you do you shorten that? I mean, how you shorten to like a bar name usually? 
I'll meet you at the Yi. Yeah. Or, uh, That's exactly what it is. Hey, you want to want to head down to the Cox? That's what I'd call it. Yeah. yeah. The Cox? Uh, I, so, I, I, um, so I'm sure someone else is going to buy it. This is like when everyone well, was, oh, CBGB's is closed. It's like, it wasn't in its original location. Mm -hmm. So it really wasn't well, a big thing anyway. Since the 15th yeah. century. Well, they're, they're hoping that someone <laughs> will. Um, yeah. She was, if yeah, she was they're hoping that someone will want to, to reopen it. But as of now, it's going to be one of some nearly 10,000 uh, pubs, clubs, and restaurants across the UK that are permanently closed in 2020. So, Well, um, cheers to the ye old fighting cocks. Yeah. Or went out for you. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed. Um, and then finally, the immigration portal has been uh, gotten a bit of an upgrade, an update, if you will, where people are now able to make payments at the same time as submitting their documents. So this is great because mm. before you'd have to go online, do your documents, and then go back and fill out the paperwork and then send receipt by email. Like it was a little bit convoluted. And now they've updated the work portal so you can do everything directly from there. So you click your payment link and you're able to do payment right from that portal at the same time that you're uploading your documents. So that's a bit of good news. That's well, good. I mean, yeah, because my naturalization is going in right now and it's all going on. It's all going in through, I don't know if I should say that out loud. Maybe people that are in charge of that hate me. Um, <laughs> never mind. My name is <laughs> Brown. The old fight. We have no clue who you are, Aaron. And the police are asking for your help finally and trying to track down um, the driver of a vehicle, male pedestrian, was crossing um, the road by Hurley's um, roundabout there, and he was hit on uh, Thursday, last week Thursday. I'm not surprised. That's Suicide Circle. I live right there. Yeah, that's a terrible roundabout. I mean, people don't understand why are if you're continuing in the lane to go past Hurley's. First off, indicate so people know where you're going. Second off, you don't go inside the cones to go around. Exactly. What is, that drives me that nuts. That drives me nuts. You too. stay in your two lanes so that it, that that's how traffic needs to yeah. flow. I'm like that whole traffic circle needs to be and taken it's, down. It's for merge. No by one, the way. Yeah, it's for merging. It's, it's not to see how fast you can get yeah. through the circle. Or. You don't go and sit in the middle of the circle waiting for cars to go away so that everyone yeah, has to stop in the middle of the circle. When you come up and then you go, you, you dip inside the cones to, yeah. to keep going that's towards these things. Oh, that drives me nuts. I think a lot of people simply do not understand roundabouts. Um, or care. Places they just drive the world, however they want. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of places that drivers come from here don't have roundabouts. So they need yeah. some arrows at More least. More education needs to happen as well. To, to show people to stay in their lane. Or they need to cone that whole thing off so that can, sound, from South Sound they can go all the way around. And if you want to go to Hurley's, then you have to go in like that whole shopping area. Then you like you need to go through the back entrance. Mm. Right? That's what needs to happen. So except that there's, that, a, except that there's whole, a whole residential area like where I live down Edgewater Way. But I thought that they were making a whole new uh, road. What if you're coming from South Sound? Then you go up and then you turn in. Like you're going to whatever. I want to go through Hurley's parking lot to get to Edgewater Way. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. There needs to be a new yeah. road. Well, I, you, you for me, know. you're looking for us. Like all the way around a roundabout and then back. So you all can go around a roundabout You shouldn't, you shouldn't penalize people for doing the right thing because people don't know how they, to drive. They just need uh, to figure, yeah. out, figure out how to penalize them. Well, that's... But listen, if you know who this hit and run individual is, by all means, um, give the police a jingle. Just by the way, yesterday we had another hit and run incident right on Shedden Road by the Burke Mod Plaza. Um, elderly guy uh, hit a car and then took off and one of our stealth CMR um, sleuths 
tracked him down, tracked down the van. They had given us a pretty good description of what he looked like and what the vehicle had looked like. And then they didn't stop until they found him not that far away. And they sent us photos and a video of exactly where the vehicle was located. So we basically solved it for the RCIPS. So now they can go and arrest him for hit and run. Did they do wow. that already? I don't know. <laughs> Likely not. <laughs> they have not. Were they on their lunch break? They have not informed us, but uh, we did post all national the evidence that they would possibly need. Ye uh, old fighting cocks. <laughs> They're down at the ye old fighting cocks. Uh, yeah. Thank God for CCTV or dash cams in your vehicles, folks, because... Yeah, but not the government CCTV, because that apparently never works. But the, the dash cam in your vehicle works, because just last week I was in there because of uh, careless driving off of the savannah it's not even a roundabout but you know when you're coming out of the gas station in savannah this guy created his own lane um to the left of everyone and then shot across going to newlands and i was able to send the rcips the dash cam because a three camera dash cam so it caught all angles and they had sufficient evidence to see the license plate number see what the individual did which was a completely illegal move and then mm -hmm. issued him a ticket very good and because can you so you can submit your dash cam because i've heard that they can't take your dash cam stuff too well they did i mean obviously they need a statement from you in terms of what happened but um not only are they ticketing the individual but they're also reaching out to the nra to say you know what we're aware that this is a situation here's another perfect example of how people are misusing this and so let's put some permanent cones in there to prevent people from doing this which will prevent future accidents so yeah yeah. All right. Good job, RCIPS. <clears throat> well, thank you guys. Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a All good right, day. Have a good one. All right, folks. Um, already 200 of you are logged in for the discussion. I feel like it's going to be a hot tea kind of day. Um, I got my water that I'm sipping on. I feel like I should have a banana today um, just because I feel like I need a little bit more energy. So let me do this. Let me go ahead and queue up our intro and then I'll send out the WhatsApp notifications to everyone on the WhatsApp news list and then we'll get the discussion kicked off. You're now tuned in to the cold, hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmarlroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands
All right, good morning, good morning, folks. Um, how is everyone doing? Let's go ahead and kick off the show. Good morning, good morning. Um, uh, it's already been an eventful morning. I've got my banana, like I said, to kind of um, kick things off. So good morning to Virtuous. Good morning, Marshall. Uh, Miss Lillian is here. Diamond Princess has got it locked. Uh, in the belly. Am I ever saying that right? In the belly. Good morning to you. I've not seen you in a minute. Good to see you. Good morning to Emma. Larry's got it locked. Romelia, good morning. Uh, so nice to see you. Olivia's here. Good morning, Larry. Um, Celine says the Royals are going to be going to Jamaica, but not the Cayman Islands. They're that close and not coming here. It is a little bit strange, uh, especially since we are still an overseas territory and the um, Jamaica, I guess, is still considered part of the Commonwealth. But actually, I think Jamaica has been independent for so long that they are looking um, at probably going the route of um, what other country was that with the female prime minister? Was that Bermuda? Um, that, you know, they're basically a republic now. So they're going further and further away from the queen and they no longer have her as head of state. So I believe, did Jamaica remove her as yet? Um, so Jamaica isn't that far off from making that decision. Uh, so it, it is a bit peculiar that they still have her. So I think she is still considered um, head of state for Jamaica. Yes. So she's still queen of Jamaica, but I think that they are pushing <clears throat> ever so closely to become a republic, which would remove that situation. Um, Ervalyn, good morning. Good morning to Larry. Wee Wee's got it launched here. Rowena, Miss Beulah, Barbara. Lisette, good morning. Felicia, good morning, Miss Morna. John is here. Good morning, John. Chantel, looking good. Paulette and Ingrid, plus another. We're already up to 221 people. Um, there's several accidents this morning. Just got notification of one by the boardwalk in South Sound. Um, folks, please be careful, is all I can tell you. Uh, try to drive defensively and offensively at the exact same time. Uh, So um, someone was just saying, will you be doing Facebook plus YouTube plus 89.1 for people like me? The short answer is yes. Come March the 1st, all goes well. We should be on YouTube, Facebook plus Bobo 89.1 FM. So yes, indeed, uh, we're getting things. Well, the technical team who is doing all the setup of everything in the background, uh, we announced it formally yesterday on the website by Wave of Story. They're getting everything ready to um, launch, hopefully the end of the month. And then for us, I think we'll do an official show start date of March the 1st. So here's the accent in South Sound, folks. Um, be careful out there. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I don't know what ran into him. Another car doing two miles an hour? Why are y'all speeding? You know, it's like, well, maybe they weren't speeding because I guess you can dent a car doing like five miles an hour. Um. Just slow down. This is like yesterday morning in Lower Valley. There was an accident at the top of um, Woodland Drive. And I'm thinking, you know, the cars are coming out of the side streets, right? 
in the morning. Just give people a little bligh as well. Like some of y'all are just, oh my gosh. Mm -mm. Some of you do not want to let people out. And so they're trying to force their way out. And then, um, you know, that causes a little collision. And I'm thinking, I seldom feel like I need to not let somebody out. I'm just like, you know what? Let me stop. Sometimes I'm letting too many people out. Let me just stop, let you out, wave at you, say good morning. What's the hurry? You're going to get where you're going like two minutes early, if you're lucky. And uh, and that's the extent of it. You know, like a little, a little love in the morning, a little traffic courtesy would be so nice. I'm just trying to see if I can find the video from, from yesterday. But it was an Audi um, vehicle and then another car that went smush right into each other. And now you have um, several vehicles that are completely damaged. Uh, you know, you got to get insurance involved. I think they called the police, which is sometimes a good idea. But the sad thing is, folks, if you are coming out of um, a side road, you are normally at fault for these types of incidents because you need to make sure you've got enough um, right of way, enough clearance and that sort of thing to be able to come out. And even if someone is not allowing you out, you can't just um, you know, dogmatically push your way into a situation. You gotta, you gotta, you know, ease yourself into it, folks. Um, but at the same time, I do think that people could be a little bit nicer on the roads and let each other in. I don't know what's happening to our humanity these days, but people are just, everybody is in a hurry to get God knows where. Um, like I said, two seconds more, and then it's always a hot mess of a situation. So here's the incident from yesterday morning as well. Let me show you guys this one. Um, over 250 of you already logged in. We're gonna talk about some really Yeah. So the Audi was obviously coming out of Woodland Drive. The other one was on the main road. So naturally the Audi will be at fault for not giving themselves enough clearance. But where was the other car going in such a hurry? I kind of wondered, well, how fast were they? Were they moving really? Mm -mm -mm -mm. Good morning, Irvlin. Um, one accident free day would be amazing. So Tweeny says some people don't like the chewing in the mic. Oh, excuse me. That's my banana. You know, I think I think that might be a thing for some people, uh, Tweeny. Some people actually have like a, it's almost like a, um, what's it called? A um, OCD sort of thing where hearing people chew really bothers them a lot. Sipping might bother people too, but I got to have some water, child. Um... Catalina says it's always a good idea to call the police. Yes, we've said this before because people promise you one thing and then, you know, they'll say something else. Uh, Shani says she loves the glasses. Thank you. 
Um, I have two pairs and I kind of mix them up, but this one always gets a lot of compliments. I think it's the colors of the, um, lens, the glasses themselves. It has a little bit of like blue and gold. It's got a bunch of colors in there, actually a little bit of purple even. Uh, so the colors are, are actually really, really nice. And then I think it's also the shape. The other one is more like a square shape. So I think the shape of this one does a little bit something different from my face. So Toshi, good morning. Good morning to Dale. A smack. Yes, I've, I've managed to get this far with my banana, kind of halfway through. Um, that's going to be breakfast this morning. Yay. I love me a banana, to be honest. I don't like overripe bananas. I don't like bananas with spots. That's like a thing for me. Um, those for me are good for like smoothies and drinks, but I do not like to eat a really, really ripe banana. Jonathan um, says, what sucks is when an accident happens and it's a small fender bender that people keep their car in the middle of the road. They can't just take a few pictures of the accidents and then move the cars. That is true. Although sometimes I would say that I could understand why people may not want to move it. Because again, you might want the police to mark the spots. And if there's any disagreement about the situation, then the police can surely... Um, clear it up quite quickly, you know, because you'll have people who will say all sorts of things. No, I was actually coming from this way and they weren't. Um, so I think that's the concern that people have is if they move it, you know, will the other person actually say, yes, this is where I was. And, you know, but taking photos and or a video, video evidence, I think is much better. Um, is uh, a good idea. So that when the police arrived, you know, you have that at least. But there's nothing like the police being able to say for themselves that I arrived on the scene and this is actually what I witnessed and where the where the cars were. Because then once your insurance company requests that information, you're able to um, provide that to them without there being any doubt really in terms of what happened and hopefully who was at fault. So there's a couple hard and fast rules about accidents. Normally, if you rear end someone, you're at fault. There are very few instances where the other piece person might be at fault if uh, you're rear ended. Very, very few. There's kind of like a golden rule that um, if you rear ended them, you should have been giving yourself enough car length space to have avoided the accident. And unfortunately, um, a lot of times that just doesn't happen, right? So that's already two accidents that we're aware of for the morning. Um, I sh I'm sure there will be more because there was one by Kirk Market that we posted up on our social media page as well. I was looking at the one at Kirk Market and the first vehicle, I thought, is that vehicle even roadworthy? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It doesn't really look like it should be on the road. So I don't know, but it looks like it was a hot mess before it got hit. And it's uh, probably, you know, more of a hot mess now. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that happened. I'll show you this vehicle that I'm talking about. It's a red car and then another car. Uh, folks, if your vehicle is not roadworthy, please keep it off the road. There's a reason why we have certain requirements of vehicles being on roads. Good morning to Jessica. Good morning, Jonathan, again. Um, you know, there's a reason why you should have insurance and all of these other things because the roadways can be very, very dangerous. But have a look at this one from Kirk Market this morning. 
this one just looks like a hot mess. So this is one vehicle. Now tell me that looks, does that look like that's a roadworthy car? I mean, yes, we see it got a little bang up, but look at the rest of the car. It doesn't quite look roadworthy. I don't know. Um, and sometimes your vehicle not being roadworthy is the very reason why an accident happens. So there's reasons why laws are in place, folks. Here's another one. Well, this is the one that hit that one, right? So now this little red car, Hyundai looks like, has a bumper that's all mashed up and fallen down. And it looks like the other vehicle took more of a hit because um, their trunk, their, not the trunk, the hood is all um, bent out of shape now. So yeah, so that was down by Hurley's Market this morning on, that is North Church Street. I always get Ch South Church Street and North Church Street confused, which I really shouldn't. I think that's South Church Street. You know that Church Street runs the entire length of the island pretty much in terms of it na its name. It goes all the way into West Bay where it becomes... Oh, I was having a conversation with someone a couple of months ago. I think it becomes West Church Street as well. And a lot of people actually didn't know that. Good morning, Miss Olive. Carol says, I passed that one. And yes, that car completely not roadworthy. It didn't look it. Uh, remember the yellow car last week that we were talking about in East End that was put up at the roadway after being, after gotten in an accident? It was there for like at least over a week. Nobody was moving it. And I'm happy to say that after our post, the person who supposedly had no insurance coverage and couldn't afford to move the vehicle, all of a sudden they must have found some money or good Samaritan or something because this hot mess of an accident got moved. Uh, so yeah, they're like, oh yeah, I was there for a week because we don't have insurance. Uh, again, that's against the law. And uh, we couldn't move it. Yeah, well, that's probably against the law too. But as soon as we posted it up and hundreds of you were like, this is unacceptable, they could certainly find the resources then to call a tow truck and to clean up the mess. You know, I understand, folks, that a lot of times you guys do not like how CMR necessarily does stuff, especially when we talk about jackasses of the day. But, you know, the God's honest truth is, we do put a little bit of pressure on people to kind of do the right thing. You know, we live in a society where my actions impact you and your actions impact me. And, you know, we're just kind of all over the place in terms of those things. And there are some minimum standards I feel like we should have when dealing with each other, you know? And yes, I have an expectation that if you're on the roadway, that you are going to um, take a little bit of extra caution when it comes to safety, um, you know, leaving debris in the road, like just things that can impact all the rest of us. And I feel like when that doesn't happen, then you create a very dangerous situation. So speaking of accidents, there was an accident yesterday in Georgetown by Burke Mod Plaza uh, there on Shedden Road. So this car um, actually ran into, it was a hit and run. They ran into, it was a van. They ran into a car and then they quickly left the location. Now, a very astute person who saw the accident happen, 
By the way, they almost ran over a pedestrian as well, which was not cool. Uh, they decided to quickly take a photo and advise us that, hey, this just happened. Like they called me like, Sandy, this accident just happened. Can you, here's the damage that they did. They gave, gave this other car good whack on the side. You know, can you put this up? We need to catch this person. I love that we are creating a citizenry that really cares about finding people who, you know, don't seem to care about anything else. Who, I mean, honestly, who does this? Who hits a vehicle, takes off, leaves the scene of the accident, and then just doesn't even, I, I, I don't even know. Like, it's, it's just unconscionable how people behave. Um, but anyway, this guy did it. Now, I know that some of you were a little bit offended by the language that the person used to describe him because they said he was nappy. They said it was an elderly Jamaican man with nappy hair. That's just how Caymanians, listen, it might not be politically correct, but it is definitely how um, Caymanians describe a person. And um, that was the description that they gave. So if you're a fellow Caymanian, I think actually that you would probably understand the description. <laughs> you know, I hate, I hate to, again, I'm hating, I'm hating to kind of stereotype and whatever, but I think most Caymanians would know what that term means. Um, in terms of what they're looking for, despite the fact that it's not politically correct. And I'm happy to say that as a result of that person um, being so incredibly keen on keeping an eye out, within, I think, at least an hour, the culprit was found. So have a look at this video. I mean, this is citizenry at its best, problem solving, solving police cases, so look, there's the vehicle. Now the police has the license plate number. They have photos, yep. They can now see the front axle damage that the vehicle has. And they can hopefully at least kickstart their investigation, you know? Because now they know. Oh, you have fresh damage to your front end? Mm, okay. Let's talk to you about how you got that damage. Let's match up the paint scrapings on the vehicle. Uh, I think this makes their job incredibly easy. Good morning, Catherine. She says it was nice to see you in East End last night. Thank you so much. So in case you missed it, I ventured out in East End for um, a meeting. Mr. Isaac Rankin had a meeting. Um, I just realized that... My headline for today's show says Wednesday care reviews. It's supposed to be Wednesday case reviews. I'll fix it. Um, uh, it was a long, long night yes, last night. So, yes, um, this was. So we're going to be talking about court cases. That's what that is. Not care review. But yeah, I was in East End last night. Good to see some East Enders. Uh, the, the crowd was was decent for a meeting. You guys know a lot of people don't really always come out to meetings, but it was great that so many of you were actively engaged on the live stream. I saw you guys watching. I saw a lot of your comments and stuff as well. And um, the NRA was there. The police were there. And a lot of the concerns, I can tell you, of the people in that district 
um, honestly, are the same concerns that we all have. The speeding. I mean, it's like the, I go to district meetings and I feel like I'm in a perpetual loop because we all have the same issues. Crime, speeding and traffic control, especially in residential areas and close to schools. And then, you know, a few other things here and there, wondering what the NRA is up to, uh, fixing roads and that sort of thing. It's always the same thing. And I think to myself, if it's always the same thing, surely it can't be that hard to fix, right? But not quite so easy. And so the RCIPS continue to say that they are um, focused on um, helping and, um, you know, it's, it's just a situation. So one of the things that came out of the, the meeting last night, there was a question asked about um, sexual harassment. So I'm not going to get into it yet because I'm, I'm still fact finding, but I am aware of the situation. And in fact, I was aware of the situation before it came up at last night's meeting. Someone tipped me off a few days ago that Sandy, this is something we need you to highlight, but I'm still on a fact finding mission. So I want to make sure that I have all the details before we start talking about it, or as many of the details as I can possibly get. But it seems like it's a case of workplace sexual harassment, which you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we discussed in relation to George Ebanks. Um, and it's not just him that's doing it. It's all sorts of people. And allegedly a member of the police force. Wow. We'll talk about it. Not today though, because like I said, I'm still on a fact finding mission. <sighs> Times are changing. And I think certain dinosaurs like the George Ebanks of the world, having gotten the memo that there's certain types of behavior that is absolutely not acceptable anywhere, but especially not in a workplace environment. So we'll see. But Catherine, I thought it was a good meeting. And um, the commissioner made a lot of notes and he's got eight officers assigned to the Eastern District and they were all there, which I liked. They all introduced themselves. Some of them gave their telephone numbers to say, you know, this is how you can contact me. Um, so Shani, we're going to talk about that as well, just briefly. Um, she says, I'm not sure what the topic is, but I want to encourage everyone to be loving and kind to someone. We came to hear about the young girl passing. It's so sad. Condolences to the family. So um, let's talk about it for a minute. The ugly truth says that Cayman roads are cluttered with uninsured and unroadworthy vehicles. Some of them look like they're, it's just the paint holding them together, sadly. Uh, so this is a good point, Claudette. Thank you for pointing this out. She says, I think people should know what they can manage according to their paycheck. Why force to drive if you can't afford to get insurance and to maintain the vehicle? Doesn't make sense. And Claudette, it's kind of like home ownership. Home ownership, honestly, is not for everyone um, because the expenses that come with it. Listen, if you pay your rent, you've got, you know, a landlord that should be fixing and making repairs, right? That's part of the rental that you pay. You don't pay anything else. You don't pay insurance. You don't fix the place. Although a lot of um, people who rent from, you know, something minor goes on in the inside, they are going to fix it. Um, but, you know, mostly that's the responsibility of, um, of the, 
that's the responsibility of the landlord. But when you when you actually own property, it is your responsibility, folks, to pay the insurance on the property, maintenance and upkeep, any sort of additional, um, you know, spring cleaning, power washing, and it can be expensive. And literally every single month, you could have a different project around your house and you just never finish. It's like a perpetual thing. But, you know, it's your property. Well, technically, it's the bank's property, but you are trying to um, purchase the property from the bank eventually. Right. They've given you a loan and you just keep paying. As long as you pay, you're permitted to stay. Um, and so you're happy to invest in your own property in order to um, to really just. Um, in order to. in order to, um, you know, just keep it looking as, as great as you can, but you have to know what you can afford as Claudette said. So you've got the mortgage. The mortgage isn't everything. And I always hear people talk about, well, if I can pay rent, I can pay a mortgage. And I chuckle to myself because I think this is where we need to have educational programs where people, um, you know, are educating themselves about home ownership and really what is the true cost, the true cost of owning a home. So yeah, you can pay $1,500 a month in rent. If you have a mortgage of $1,500 and you think that's the only thing that you're going to pay, you are being incredibly naive. You got to pay insurance. Depending on the value of the place, insurance keeps going up. Any sort of unplanned maintenance, so a water main breaks. Uh, and listen, some of these things can get expensive. You know, you got a water leak and you can't even find it. You got to call, you got to bring somebody in. You got to jackhammer up the floor. You got to, you know, and I, I have known people who live a very decent life in terms of, you know, they, they dress up every day, put on the best, most fabulous clothes or driving a nice name brand car. You know, and there's certain things that they can't do around the house because they don't have no money left. By the time they're done flossing, they have no money left to find out where that leak is. They have no money left to buy a washer and dryer. So they're like going to the laundromat and I'm looking at why are you rolling up in a Land Cruiser, Land Rover, whatever at the laundromat? Shouldn't you own your own washer and dryer? But it's because the real cost of home ownership is something that no one really went through with them in terms of the details. That's why banks have to be careful, you know, and I don't blame the banks when they talk about your debt service ratio. So, you know, when you go in to get a loan, they're going to say, you know, what are you averaging on, on expenses, on groceries? And everybody always underestimates <laughs> what they're spending because you don't really even calculate, well, how much do I really eat out? How much am I spending? I spend $25 a day on food between lunch and, and dinner or whatever. It adds up. You got school fees. If you got your kids in private school, you know that's not cheap. So Claudette is saying, listen, if you own a vehicle, it's not just about the initial purchase of a vehicle or even, even being able to get the vehicle loan or whatever. It's about can you afford to put gas in it? And I tell you what, every single time I've purchased a vehicle, I always think of the gas prices. I'm like, okay, it's a bigger vehicle. You know, when you're younger, you can get away with the smaller, sporty kind of sedans or whatever. You got kids, you got the dog, you're trying to throw everything in the back seat. You might want a bigger vehicle, but can you afford a bigger vehicle? And again, this isn't about the purchase price. 
This is about the price of filling that bigger tank up. And how often are you going to be filling that bigger tank up? You know, it can cost you a good hundred dollars, depending on the size of your vehicle or more to fill up a vehicle. And if you've got to do that, I don't know what the average time is for um, how long it'll last you. But if you've got to do that like twice a week, twice a week, oh Lord, let's hope you're not driving that much, twice a month. Okay. You figure a hundred dollars twice a month. That's $200 right there for the month. You've got to really think about it. Insurance isn't cheap. You know, most insurance companies might give you a couple months to pay it, a little payment plan, but you're looking at at least a couple thousand dollars for insurance, depending on the, the make and model and year and all that kind of stuff. So please consider the real cost of things. Excellent point, Claudette. I appreciate it. And then once something happens, you know, you get in an accident. Um, are you able to then afford to pay for the repairs if it's your fault? Because sometimes it's going to be your fault. You know, nobody's perfect. Sometimes you pull out and you you underestimate or you overestimate how much room you had and kaboom, an accident has happened and now you're in a hot mess of a situation. These things happen. Can you pay your deductible? You know, during Hurricane, uh, it actually wasn't a hurricane, Tropical Storm Grace, I had a few people complaining about insurance because they're like, oh yeah, I want to make a claim on my house insurance. And um, what they would have to pay the deductible was more than the claim. And they're like, well, that's not worth it. And my, I had a friend of mine who was like, this is highway robbery. You need to do a show on this. You know, we need to be complaining. I'm like, hold on a second. First of all, you signed this insurance policy when you got when you got the insurance in the house. And surely you would have seen what the deductible was. And here's the irony of it. We're all happy for the value of our homes to go up, mostly because you can run back to the bank and say, oh, look, I got more equity in my property. So loan me more money. This is the this, These are the mistakes that we make. We need some money management people around the place, right? So we're happy to have the equity in our homes. But the equity in your home means that you're now going to be um, spending more money when it comes to insurance, if you have it truly valued, right, at the correct amount. And on top of that, uh, you're also going to be having a higher deductible. So follow me here for a quick second. If you have a mortgage for, say, $250,000, but your home is actually valued at $350,000, Claudette's point, know your expenses. So when you get that home, the stamp duty on the home isn't on what you paid for it, it's on the value of the home. So if you're not in a position to get a stamp duty waiver, now you're talking about having to pay stamp duty on the price tag of the $350,000 value. You're also talking about getting it insured at the $350,000 valuation, not the mortgage amount that you took out. Then you've got life insurance. Remember when, when people say, oh, but I pay rent. Did your rent include life insurance, property insurance, maintenance and upkeep, all these other variables? No. So I chuckled when my friend said to me, um, like, he can't afford to pay this deductible. And I'm thinking, I understand. And listen, I'm not saying I got no $20,000 sitting around to pay no deductible. But I also know from the insurance company's perspective, that when you signed that, you understood that there was a deductible. Furthermore, here, here's the kicker. Things like property insurance is not really meant for minor repairs. 
right? So if you have um, some shingles and, you know, a couple, I don't know what else happened during trees. Now, some of some of the damage from the trees was massive. Like there was a couple of trees that fell on a house and almost cracked the entire house in, in half. That's going to be an entire roof that you have to get repaired. Now, I don't know what the... Um, what the price of the of what the going rate for a roof is, but probably for an average house, if you're looking at replacing as um, what's what's it called the standing steam what's, what are those called the metal roofs are a little bit better than the shingles um, and wood roof, you know that's probably gonna cost you at least a hundred thousand dollars right there. In this day and age, with construction prices and material prices where they are, probably a little bit more. Yeah, so. These are the things that you've got to consider. So 3%, um, thank you, Flashpoint. says 3% of the value of the home is a typical deductible. Most people build homes that are too big and more expensive to maintain than they can afford. And that's a fantastic point. I totally, totally agree with you. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this the other day because sometimes I feel like, oh, I could use more space. I could have, like, ideally, I would love a house with, like, a dedicated proper studio where I could do all kind of stuff. But then I'm thinking a bigger house, how big do I need it to be? That's more cleaning for me. And if I'm not cleaning, that's more cleaning for somebody I'm hiring to do the cleaning. Uh, that is more upkeep. That's more insurance. And I mean, you got to think like how big is too big? Uh, uh, no. And you know, the irony of it is you could have a 6,000 square foot house and a 10,000 square foot house with the exact same family, and you will find stuff to put in it, regardless of the square footage. You're gonna just find junk to be filling up the house with. When I say junk, I mean, you know, you're just finding things. It's like, you're gonna buy more furniture, bigger furniture, and you're gonna just put all this stuff in it. It's crazy. So I think that we need some lessons on money management we could all do with a little bit of help. It kind of reminds me some years ago, when we were actually looking for um, a property, like a, we were upgrading from our apartment to house, the baby was coming. I don't know if, I'm trying to remember when I was looking at this one, if the baby was coming yet, or we were just looking. I might've been pregnant, I can't remember now. But anyway, we were looking at this one house off of Palmdale that was actually in foreclosure. Unfortunately, the people had lost the house, the bank had taken it, and the bank was trying to get the property sold. And it was like a 4,000 square foot house, Really nice house. Um, the neighborhood, I was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of overbuilt for the neighborhood. You know, when you walk into, when you drive into a neighborhood and there's like that one house that's, ooh, that one's overbuilt for the area. Um, it was kind of one of those situations, but good square footage, you know, two stories. Didn't have any yard though. The yard space was horrible. I'm thinking, ooh, mm. you're not going to yard for gardening. You're going to no yard for playing outside. It was just like, uh. But, you know, it was, a, it was a decent deal for the location. So, of course, you can't beat Palmdale for being close to town. But then it's a little bit too close to the airport for me, all that airport jet sound pollution, air pollution, but um, noise pollution, I should say. But, yeah, it was, it was a good location. And, you know, those properties, they'll go for a pretty penny because of the location, 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 right? And uh, I, I looked at the family. They were a little bit of an older couple. And I'm like, what, what happened here? You know, I'm always curious about what's the backstory? Why is this house in foreclosure? Um, the husband was uh, self-employed in the construction industry. And of course, there's some kind of downturn in the economy. So maybe he wasn't making as much money as he used to at one point. 
the wife was involved in like family businesses and whatever. And then some months later, uh, the bank that actually had it was that Jamaican bank, J, J and J, JCB. What's the name of the Jamaican bank? Jamaican National Bank, JNB. Jamaican. Anyway, you know the one that's close to. I think their location is close to um, Piccadilly in town. Uh, what, what's it called? Let me see. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Anyway, th- there is a bank here that's like a Jamaican bank. So um, J JNBS, that's it? That's the name of it? Jamaican National Bank. What does that stand for? But this, this bank, you know which one. So they had the mortgage, right? And I was like, I don't know much about you guys. Tell me a little bit about how you work. Are you like a credit union? Are you members only bank? And so they gave me a sheet, Jamaican National Building Society. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you. Yes. Um, that's the name of it. So um, they gave me their like little prospectus on like how you get a loan, all this kind of stuff. And you know, what was so bizarre and then I understood why people get in debt with some of these banks and find themselves in a problem. So one of the things that they had is they had a minimum borrowing requirement. And I'd never seen a bank do this before. And I thought it was the most peculiar thing ever. Now, I was speaking to my little accountant. You know, he like does my little books for me. I'm a small business owner. So I need somebody to take the information from QuickBooks and put it in a report format so I can give my bank so that they know what I'm doing, what I'm up to. And I was talking to him about this and this guy has been doing accounting for 30 something years and he's formerly of CIBB and, you know, he's very, very knowledgeable. And I said to him, I said, um, this is weird. Like I've never seen a bank tell you that you have to borrow a minimum amount. Most banks are like, okay, based on the value of the house, this is your max or whatever, whatever. They had something like a half a million dollars. Listen to this. A half a million dollars minimum amount that you could borrow. Minimum. So in other words, you had to borrow the half a million dollars. And I remember speaking to one of the loan agents and I'm like, why would I do that? If I don't need half a million dollars, why would you force me to borrow half a million dollars? And I'm like, well, that's how the bank works. And I'm thinking to scratch my head like, huh? that's how the bank works. Why? And I guess, I don't know, like they're trying to force you to borrow more. So you're going to pay more in um, interest over the years. Like it just didn't make any sense. So what had happened with this family, I was able to surmise is, you know, the man's in the construction business. He helped, you know, they build a house, a decent build and everything. Say it costs them $250,000 to build the house. This bank now is telling you that you have to borrow half a million dollars. Okay. So you build it for 250, you got another $250,000 that they tell you you have to borrow. What am I gonna do with all that money? So when I went inside the house, one of the things that I found peculiar is all of the furniture was oversized furniture. It's like these people went to Furniture City in the States and said, show me the biggest most solid pieces of furniture, most expensive and elaborate. And it wasn't really my personal taste, but it was like everything was oversized and big. And in some instances, even the space that it was in, like the dining area, if they had like a a chest of drawers, whatever, like it didn't really fit the space well. I'm like a smaller piece would have fit this room better. And then it occurred to me that what happened once I heard the bank say this minimum borrowing amount, 
it occurred to me that um, what they were forcing people to do is borrow more money than they could afford. Now, on paper, they might have qualified. That's not what I'm saying. But you pay $250,000 for the house, and then you got $250,000 left over. The bank is like, you got to borrow $500,000. So what do you think they did? They went out and bought all this elaborate furniture that they did not need. That's why the furniture was so outrageous. Now you're in trouble. You got to, the bank is going to take it. You got to pay for, you know, foreclosure. It's in foreclosure. And, um, you know, they're taking the property. Most people will come in and not necessarily keep your furniture. So some people might make an offer on it. Yeah, I'll take it with the furniture. I'll give you a couple of dollars for the furniture. You're not going to get much for the furniture. So I was like, this is so weird. Anyway, needless to say, we did not go with that bank. and We didn't end up going with that property either. But it was just one of those things that came to my attention that, wow, banks can put you in a hot mess of a situation. And you know what my accountant told me? He said, this bank, Jamaica National uh, Building Society, has the highest amount of bad debt of any bank in the Cayman Islands. And I said, duh, <laughs> that didn't surprise me. I'm like, oh, what, what a shocker. Really? Of course they do. Uh, and this would be one of the reasons why. And of course, you got to look at other things in terms of who they're qualifying and that sort of thing, right? But uh, Flashpoint says, let's not talk about family planning and retirement planning. Shall I tell you what family planning, uh, there is no plan. And with retirement planning, it's, oh, my pension money, but I still want to keep taking money out for every time there's a COVID or another storm, tell the government to allow me to access and deplete my pension money. And then when I get old, there is no plan. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, Flashpoint says I paid off my 20-year mortgage in seven years. I was able to do that because I did not build more than I needed. Boy, Flashpoint, I got to take my hat off to you. And I really, really respect you for that because I am on a mission myself to try to offload as much debt as possible. Listen, right now, I want a flashy brand new car. Trust me, nobody wants one more than me. But my husband's actually really good with pumping the brakes and these crazy ideas of mine. He's like, no, 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 no. Because, you know, I always say, you got a five-year car. Soon you're going to be paying more probably in mechanics and repairs. And he's like, nope. He said, we bought you a decent car so it could last a good 10 to 15 years. That was when we bought it. That's the, that's the argument that you used in me. Why you wanted me to spend this money. I was like, mm, yes, I suppose I did say that. That was just a little bit of salesman talk. And he said, oh, no, we're going to focus on this mortgage. So we actually paid off the car early, two years early on the vehicle. We paid that off early. And now every little extra dime that I can muster up, it's going to start going towards extra mortgage payments. Do you know if you make one extra mortgage payment a year for the life of our average mortgage, 20 years, you can cut off like five years off that mortgage? Seriously. Just one extra payment a year. And most of us can squeeze. Now, I know times are tight, but we can squeeze in extra payments here and there. And it doesn't have to be a full payment. Got an extra $500. Instead of going on Amazon and shopping that out, throw it on your mortgage. You'd be surprised how you can reduce your mortgage um, significantly. And that's my goal now, Flashpoint. I'm really, really trying to be committed to it. In the next five to seven years, I'm going to work my butt off. And the singular goal is to try to pay my mortgage off. And then one of my bigger goals, even bigger than a car, is I really want to buy a little piece of commercial property. You know, in town, I'm, I'm in business. I've got retail. I've got other things that I could use it for. 
And unfortunately, most of us are finding it more and more difficult to acquire anything in the Cayman Islands to be able to leave our children uh, a little bit of, um, you know, property wealth. Um, and I think that that's a sad, that's a sad situation. So we could have some serious conversations on this. Good morning, Scott. Um, Flashpoint says when the virus emerged, I was debt free, no mortgage, no car loan, no credit cards. I was able to sleep at night. Wow. Woo. That must be nice. Now I know better than to fool with credit cards, honey chow. I'm very, very careful with a credit card because it is easy. Uh, it's like my daughter. She's like, oh, just hand the man the card. I'm like, honey, that's a debit card. So if you ain't got money in the bank, you can hand it to him all you want. That, not going to matter. Speaking of my little pumpkin, today's picture day at school. And I did my best with the hair. There she is. Uh, this is her little outfit for picture day. Lord Jehovah, the child has a lot of hair. Now, you guys know, um, I don't really, uh, I'm not a hair person, Okay. And this hair is curly and it is long and it is thick, everything all in one. And so I don't know how it's going to look come picture time because, you know, children, child, two minutes later, it doesn't look the same. <laughs> but I detangled it this morning. I took it out of the braids. Mr. Rocio would be so proud of me. I took it out of the braids. I detangled it. I put a little bit of serum in it to hopefully keep some curls until they can snap one or two photos. And then um, hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully she'll be uh, looking cute for her pictures. And then I sent her little scrunchies so they can put it right back up, child, because uh, believe me you when I say the struggle is real with the hair situation. Um, so if we can get one decent photo out of her today, I will be ever so happy. Picture day. What a mess. So yes, that's her, child. And uh, she's not really used to having it out because... It is a lot. And, you know, a five-year-old child, that would be so tangled up every single day. I'm just like, Gianna, let's just put it in the, we don't even put it in one because that's still a lot. So I get Mr. Rocio to braid it. This is the, the back view. I get Mr. Rocio to braid it and stuff like that for her. Um, she had it trimmed a couple months ago, but it is really long. Like it's almost the full length of the child, to be honest. Um, and at some point as an adult, she might decide what she wants to do with it. That's totally on her. But yes, child. Uh it looks good when she walked out the door. I can't swear for what's going to happen after that. But there you have it. So she says she looks like her pa. Yeah, I get that a lot. Um, thank you so much. Emma says, are you able to use a life insurance that's required to have a mortgage to pay off your, their debts in case of foreclosure? No, I don't believe so because that's not what it's for. So it is life insurance in the event that you die, that you can actually have it um, paid off in that event. You know, I think, Emma, unfortunately, what ends up happening is people um, want to always find a way to use something for the purpose that it's not intended to. So the, the insurance companies are probably not inclined to ever do that. The bank forces you because the worst case scenario is that, you know, they, they take you take out a mortgage, two people, and then one of you die and the other person has the mortgage. But the mortgage was actually approved on the basis of two salaries. So that's why you have life insurance is that at least in that instance, the insurance company will pay out so that you will hopefully be debt free if the life insurance um, is sufficient to cover the mortgage. Right. 
It's it's a real it's a real situation. Now we're gonna segue this conversation because this actually ties in nicely with what I really wanted to talk about today was this case with this woman, Khadijah, what's her name? McLean. Now, but before I get into that, let me express my sincere condolences um, to a Caymanian family this morning who is dealing with the most unbelievable situation, the loss of a child. Um, I cannot begin to tell you when I heard this news last night, how it immediately impacted me. And when you know people, you know, you feel the pain, I think, even more because you can you can relate. Uh, some of you may have known this child. You may have children of your own that went to school with this child, that knew this child. And um, it is just an unbelievable situation. So um, it's just really, really difficult. Uh, like, I don't even know what to say. You know, there's really no words, I think, that can that can express or condolences. Uh, I, I'm just at a loss of words, really. But I just want the family to know that we're thinking about them. We're praying for them. They're in our thoughts. And, you know, obviously, if there's anything that we can do, I think as a community, we're all here. There's so many conversations that come up in my mind about... Uh, a situation like this. And I think when people hear this news, it impacts everyone in a different way. So some people were projecting on their own lives. I had people messaging me last night. You know, they're like stressed out about being in quarantine and they think that that's what was going on with this child. I don't think that that was the issue at all. Um, some people, folks, suffer from clinical depression and um, they might have been, you know, trying to help this child and getting treatment. But if you don't suffer from it, you simply do not understand what it is and how difficult it is. There are professionals who have much a much better idea of how it works, right? A couple weeks ago when Miss USA, former Miss USA, um, end up taking her own life by jumping from a 60 story off the 60th story of a building, a high rise in New York. A lot of us here in the program were literally um, asking how, how is it? How? She was such a beautiful person on the outside. Everybody who knew her, loved her and said she was a beautiful person on the inside. And we don't understand, right? And just because we don't understand doesn't mean that the struggle for these individuals isn't real. And oftentimes, or sometimes, it ends in a very tragic way. I mean, there are actually people who are commenting on that story who were in such a state of disbelief. This is this is her. I mean, look at her. You couldn't ask for a more gorgeous person, right? She seemed to have everything going for her in life. A lawyer, smart girl, um, you know, one pageant placed in the top at least the top 10 for the Miss Universe pageant, had speaking engagements, got a job as um, you know, a reporter for Extra TV. She was even awarded last year with, with being the first, there was this law firm that was like hundreds of years old. And they gave her, they put her in some head of some diversity council. I mean, she just seemed to, on the outside, when we're looking in, she seemed to have had everything going for her in life. And what I want to say is, 
you just don't know what people are dealing with and you honestly never know somebody's struggles, right? So they may, from all appearances, have the perfect life. They may have good parents. They may have money. They may have, they may not want for anything. And you know what? None of that has anything to do with if you're suffering from clinical depression, right? Um, if you're bipolar, you know, we've talked about famous people who are bipolar, like um, Kanye West, for example, and Kanye West struggles with his episodes. He has, he's a, he's a millionaire easily multiple times over. And he will continue to struggle his entire life, especially if he doesn't take his medication. With young people, it is very, very, very difficult if you've ever dealt with someone who was suicidal um, or even suffered from bipolarism. It is actually one of the more challenging things to get the medication just, just right for them. And for younger people, putting them on medication can actually... Um, exasperate the, necess the the desire or the suicidal thoughts, believe it or not. So on the one hand, you're trying to help them, but a lot of the medication that they use, especially when they start initially using it, I guess it's just the hormones and whatever at that particular age, they've actually found that it makes them more suicidal. But you know, you don't have a choice because you're trying to get them leveled out where you're bringing them out of that depressive state. And it's not just a matter of, oh, just pray for them have a prayer moment, just tell them to be positive. I mean, we say all these things. And I feel like sometimes when we say stuff like this, we are dismissing and not fully understanding the complexities of what people are going through. So some of you are saying, oh, I'm struggling with isolation. Um, a lot of people, their depression has nothing to do with that. They are free. They're, they're surrounded by people. They're traveling. They're going back and forth. They're not in your situation at all. Um, their struggles transcend anything that you could understand if you've never been there. So I don't pretend to understand it. I know that there's, um, you know, there can be a chemical imbalance sometimes. Depression can sometimes run in families. Um, you know, I know that sometimes there's like a situational depression where you lose a loved one and you go into a deep depressive mode for some time. There's so many things that can cause it right? I'm not an expert. I know that the premier himself has dealt with the loss of a child um, under similar circumstances. And so if anybody understands, he understands. And from last night, um, not only are these, this family, you know, his constituents, they are his friends and people that he have worked with. And I know even today he is spending time with them because once something tragic like this happens, like I never know how to react. Like I'm like, do I, do I call them? Do I what's up them? Like, I want them to know I'm thinking about them, but then I don't want to intrude. I don't want to, like, you just don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. Do I send something? Do I, it's just like, you don't even know what to do. Um, you don't know how to react even, right? In a community this small, obviously the news circulated like wildfire last night, literally. I got video footage from the scene. Of course, as soon as I heard what had happened, I made the decision to not put that up, you know, not uh, give too much details on the exact house location. But, you know, 20 minutes later, everybody knows who it is. I mean, this is key man, right? After all. And so it's, some, it's really, really unfortunate, folks. Um, out of his pain, the premier set up the Alex Panton Foundation. And I think that for quite some time now, I've been saying, 
that I want to have them on the program. We need to talk about mental health issues specifically for young people. And this again, just brings it home in terms of how important it is. I think we need to have the conversations uh, despite how difficult they may be, you know, and we need to really um, try to pay attention from our to our children from day one. Like I hear my little daughter expressing stuff at the age of five that lets me know that this child is extremely sensitive. And then I think to myself, maybe I was sensitive at that age too. I can't honestly remember. Well, I think I, I sort of do remember because I've always been very intuitive like about certain things, right? But you know, now at my age in my forties, I'm a tough cookie. Very few things rattle me. And if you rattle me, my response is I might drop, I might pop off a few words and just tell you how I feel. And that's how I cope. You know, I cuss you out and I'm like, okay, let's keep it moving. We're done with the conversation now. Anything else? Um, but children don't have the same experience. And so therefore they don't have the same coping ability and the same coping mechanisms. And so I think as parents, we need to listen to her. And she is very much, she's very in tuned into what people say to her and how it makes her feel. Like she'll say, like the other day she said to me, oh, my friend said, nana, nana, boo, boo. And I don't like that. That hurts my feelings. I'm thinking, what the hell? Who cares if somebody says, and then I'm like, nope. She's a five-year-old, think about it from her perspective. And then I, I say to her and parents, there are resources out there that help you address emotional issues. Like if your child is angry, if they're feeling sad, there's tons of tools, even on Amazon show, on, on games that you can play, things that you can do with your children, not only to help them express themselves because she really expresses how she feels a lot of times, right? She doesn't seem to really keep stuff in, which I like. Um, but then what do you do about it? How do you respond? And I think it's, it's necessary for us as parents to know how to respond to these types of situations and, and what to do and when to get children help. And children do deal with a lot. Um, there's bullying in schools. There is, uh, ironically, before I heard this very sad news, another parent called me about prep school. And the what they say is blatant racism at prep that the school administrators and the teachers are completely tuned deaf to. I'm so disappointed that I'm gonna have to have, to have this conversation again about prep. Now y'all know my little Gianna is on multiple waiting lists. Child, she's on a waiting list at prep and I'm sure she'll never get in because they're like, oh, Sandy talks about us too much. I don't talk about them because I want to, because my God, if my daughter goes there, I don't wanna know that she's being subjected to racism because she is a Caribbean girl. She is a girl of color. Right. But their response to it has been horrific from what parents have been saying to me. And it continually comes up. And I'm so disappointed in the administrators that came in prep. I'm like, what is it about them? They're just not getting it. And I don't hear this level of complaints, to be quite honest, about Catholic, even CIS. I don't hear I don't hear it like this. So I don't know what it is about prep. And I've had parents who said, Sandy, my kids have multiple generations have gone to prep and they like prep because they have a good solid academic program. Everybody knows they, they, they turn up performers, right? So academically they're solid. So you want to give your child the best in life academically. And you know what they said that somebody else said to them. So you're paying top dollar because yes, it is a sacrifice to pay thousands of dollars a month to send your child to private school. And this person said to them, but you are paying for your child 
to be emotionally and psychologically tortured at prep school. And, you know, the parent had even thought about it in that way. And they were like, yeah. You think that you're paying for them to get the best, most solid education, but they're being subjected to straight up racism is what these parents are saying. And then the school administrators are simply, they're telling the kids, oh, you're, you're too sensitive. You're too soft. You're too, I'm just like, what? We're going to have the conversation. I'm getting all the details of the complaints and we're going to break it down. Because I feel like in this community, sometimes we gloss over these situations. Oh, yeah, there's racism at prep. What does that mean? I say, honey child, give me examples of what you mean. Where's my little sheet of paper? I don't even have any paper right now. Here, here's a little example. I'd be like, um, I would like to see all of the details of what you mean. On this date, this incident happened. It was reported to this teacher and this was the response. On this date, you know, that's what I want the details because I think the devil is actually in the details. We have to understand how prep school is responding or not responding to the situation. So somebody says prep is a good school. They are a good academic school. There is no two ways about it. Now, do they have issues? Uh, trust me, the parents themselves are saying that they do. Somebody else saying, oh, another school ha has, re listen, I have not, and I'm going to say it again. I have not had as many complaints about any other school, including CIS. Cause I'll be like, oh, you know, CIS, all for the rich kid. The level of complaints that I get about prep is exponentially, and I'm no mathematician, but I'm telling you, it is exponentially higher than even CIS. And I tell you, not a word of lie. Magdalene, good morning. Um, Summer says some people won't take their medication because it's not natural. It is unfortunate um, that that happens, especially younger kids. And some people want to be able to drink and do other stuff. And so they won't necessarily take their medication because of that. Uh, Scott says, don't judge me until you've walked a mile in my shoes. I agree. And you can't ever walk a mile in somebody's shoes because everybody's experience is different. Exactly, Sonia, right? Good morning, Tommy. Um, Summer says, I'm not one of those that uh, don't believe in taking pills. I'm just saying that as I have experience with someone like that, it is really, 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 really difficult. Um, you know, I had in university a friendship with a guy who used to work at the school newspaper with me. He was on the production side and I was a go figure, a writer <laughs> going out covering stories. And um, one day I saw him on the, um, I was out walking, exercising and I saw him at the track and he was running like, like running circles around me. And I was like, Ooh, Honey, Sean, he got more energy than me. Even my 20s, I was like, yeah, I'm going to run a little bit, walk a little bit, run a little bit. I'm like, slow, slow measure, you know, work up to it. And he was like, speed walking, then running. And then I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're making me whoo, wonky. What's going on here? So he slowed down enough to have a conversation with me. And he started talking about talking to me. And then I discovered he was bipolar. And he had extreme episodes of bipolarism from when he was in his teens, so much so that when he was often having, he oftentimes had to be hospitalized for his own safety. 
So he was having like um, a manic stage. Sometimes people are actually more suicidal when they're manic than when they're depressed. Because in the manic stage, uh, if they suffer from bipolarism, they have the energy to get up and do stuff, including kill themselves. It's really weird when you think about it, but sometimes when you're depressed, you don't even have the energy to like get out of bed and do, you know. Miss USA, her mom said after her passing, because there were people, like I said, even in our thing, like, oh, are you sure she killed herself? What was it was foul play? What if somebody pushed her over the ledge? I was like, Lord have mercy, y'all. I mean, just accept it for what it is. Unfortunately, she took her own life, right? And so people were talking about this. And her mother came out and made a statement and said, listen, my daughter suffered from functional depression, which I'd never really heard of such a thing, but I understood what she meant, which means that the average person looking at her would have no idea that she was depressed. In other words, she got up, so she wasn't depressed and stayed in bed all day. And some people do have that type of depression, but she got up and she did what she had to do, but she still was depressed. And her mother said it was only recently that she actually confided in her that this was something she was struggling with and she was seeking help for it. And then, you know, she took her life and she, she did leave a note saying she was leaving everything for mom, but it's so sad that apparently for her, a trigger based on what some people were saying was the fact that she just turned 30. I don't know in her mind what it was about turning 30 that made her issues seem bigger or whatever. Uh, Emma says mental health ain't no joke. And quite often people think it's something you can just shake it off. And it isn't. Uh, I know because I struggle with the illness. Thank you for saying that, Emma, because I think so many people um, do struggle and they're afraid to even say, I suffer, I suffer from depression. I suffer from anxiety. I am bipolar. So going back to this young man, you know, he was running around the track. And when he shared um, his uh, story with me, um, I really got to understand how difficult it was for him to try to maintain, even with medication, you know, his, his balance that he needed. Right. And at that time he was actually coming out of, he'd not too long. Cause I hadn't seen him at work and I was like, Hey, you know, I haven't seen you in production. Where have you been? And he was hospitalized. And so he was telling me he recently, I'd gotten out of the hospital and then he had a whole lot of energy boy. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so we would talk off and on for a little bit. It was interesting to get to know him. And I learned a little bit more about that particular um, disorder. So Larry says, I had a friend who at 45 years old hung, hung himself with his judo belt. And to this day, nobody knows why. All appeared to be very well in his life. And you never know. I told you guys the other day um, that I have um, experienced, um, I'm going through this TV moment right now where I'm like watching a lot of unsolved mysteries. And there was a couple episodes a few days ago I was watching where uh, people, these are obviously very old shows, but these two guys are best friends in the military and they both committed suicide. And the, you know, the um, military said that it was suicide and they both hung themselves and their families and families never want to No, Nope. It wasn't, it was murder. And we have a suspicion it was murder because of this and this. And it's always really interesting, Larry, when people say they never saw any warning signs, they had no idea, they didn't know. And I think just because you didn't see any warning signs or you didn't know, even sometimes, you know, they could be very close to you. That doesn't mean that it isn't what it is, you know? 
So somebody else says the prep school doesn't have any, um, any children of color. I don't think that that's true. I'm very, very aware, um, not prep school, sorry, um, CIS, and maybe that's why there's no discrimination. I'm very, very aware um, of the fact that um, CIS does have some Caribbean children. I think they are being, they're trying to be more inclusive and more diverse. Um, and they've got Caymanian kids there too. Now, prep school has been a, around a long time. This person says on WhatsApp, uh, prep don't want anyone if they're Caymanian happened to me also, told me that there was a long waiting list, went back with my English husband and a totally different situation, showed us around and so nice, but didn't even speak to me, just my husband. Of course, I would never put my kids in that situation. They went to St. Ignatius night and day. Unless uh, the parents are in top positions, of course, then that's fine. It's really, really interesting about that. Um, very, very interesting. Huh. Anyway, like I said, we're going to have a whole show on the whole prep school situation because I want, I have concrete examples. Of what's happening at prep. And it is really unfortunate because like I said, they actually have such a good academic program. A lot of parents do want their kids to go there. So um, another person says being patient uh, about obtaining material things is crucial. Trying to have everything at once and now uh, can be a hard hole to get out of. Buying with a credit card means that you aren't getting a good deal when you buy the when you pay the card fees, which is true, and the interest. And he said credit cards are phantom money. Mm-hmm. Um. And then he says, why she did it is nobody's place to speculate. We can only console the family, try our best to tend to our loved ones. And then he met, this person makes mention of Robin Williams as well. Um, so I think that that's the right approach is to try to be supportive. Um, to, to the families really. So, um, Yes. All right. Let's move on to talk about um, something else here. Uh, Florida says we need more schools like Hope Academy, where all the teachers are trained and qualified to pick up on children with learning disabilities. Learning disabilities are a major cause of young people's mental health, which causes them to do the inevitable. Um and Flo has shared some experience here about what she's had to go through trying to find an appropriate school. And yeah, sometimes, you know, that is the issue. And sometimes it's, it's none of that. I mean, sometimes kids are, they don't have any of those issues and still they are um, suffering from depression. Damon says, I went to Catholic and prep has been known for this since I went to primary school in the late 1970s. It does seem like they have a reputation. Um, I don't really, I didn't go to school here since like the fourth grade. So um, I can't really say, um, but it's really, it's really something else. All right, um, so let's let's move on. I want to talk about this case here that is so incredibly interesting. 
Louis says, I lost a really good friend a year ago and life uh, seemed a shut door. No one to understand the weight of the pain. Listening is a very good tool to have. Uh, Sandra says we have a Band-Aid for mental health. Nona says um, you'd be hard-pressed to find one Black person per class at CIS, just stating firsthand knowledge. Um, black person doesn't mean that they're not local people. So let's understand that there are local people who go there. And um, I mean, I don't know. I've not been to these. I've been to some of these schools, but I can't say that I've been like in every single classroom counting how many people are there. Um, I do know that um, the minister's daughter went to CIS. Um, I can't remember both of his, I think both of his kids, this is doing Seymour. And obviously they're very, I wouldn't say very dark, but they're dark, they're Caymanian children of color. Uh, and I also do know that his oldest daughter did not have a good experience there. And so she left and she, decided to go to school in Canada. I think the younger one might still be there. Um, but, you know, I don't like the idea of us thinking that a school is off limits. Like, oh, I don't want to send my kid to CIS because that's for rich people and that's for, you know. In fact, the school fees at CIS and PrEP are either just about the same or PrEP could be a smidgen more. So it's not even about school fees. Um a lot of people want to, you know, talk about, well, well, Nona, to be fair, racism and nationalityism, I don't even know if that's a thing, oftentimes go hand in hand. So you find that people don't care for Caymanians um, because we represent, you know, a mixed African race, really. Some of us might be one smidden lighter than the other. And I've always found it peculiar that Caymanians really get caught up in this thing about um, about shades of color, you know, like even within even siblings, like she came out lighter and this one came out darker. I'm just like, it's a weird oddity for Cayman. Um, Sarah, I mean, I haven't looked at school fees recently, but I can tell you when I looked at it a couple years ago they were neck and neck with the pricing. So unless all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden they have doubled their school fees, they were about the same. Uh, I don't wanna go down this road too, too much, but it looks like monthly payments for prep starts at $1,200 a month and it keeps going up. And every year you can expect for these to go up. It goes up to almost over 1,500. And then CIS. Uh, tuition and fees. Connection timed out. Okay, I'm gonna get error message here on their website actually. Maybe this is a non-working link. Let me try to back up and see. Um, tuition and fees. This is strange. Am I on a VPN this morning? Why am I getting this error message? Uh, I'll look it up, but it, it really, it's not, it's no, it was not, it was not double. 
So unless that is a recent development, um, I don't think that's actually the case at all. Hmm. Something seems off with the website. Let me try it in Chrome, in uh, Firefox. Yeah, weird. It's not working in Chrome. Okay, so... Um, orientation. Da, 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 da. And listen, I'm not here to tell you guys where to send your children. Um, one school versus the next. What I'm telling you is I am hearing complaints um, about, you know, these schools and the one school that I keep hearing the complaint about what parents are calling racism. And we can certainly define, we can discuss what that means. So let, let's start at, cause they do pre-K kindergarten. So let's just look at the fees here and we have to break it down cause they give you the annual tuition. Okay, so if you are at the higher end grades, well, grades three, three to five. So let me let me compare fees. So this one starts at twelve hundred for K through year six. So um, they have a slightly uh, CIS breaks theirs down differently. So you're looking at twelve hundred dollars versus sixteen hundred dollars. That's not double. <laughs> I don't know. We all doing your math, but the last time I checked, that ain't double. Um, so that's based on the annual fee divided by the monthly, right? At the higher end, you're paying fifteen hundred. Um, at uh, prep, fifteen thirty-five. At CIS, you're paying nineteen sixty-one. So it's not really five hundred dollars more. So it's not double. And they actually, remember, obviously you're not, I, I'm actually doing it a little bit wrong because it's not over 12 months. Cause I guess your kids, if you were doing the monthly fee, they're not in school for 12 months. So probably take off how much, how much of a break do they get for, um, for school? And then you've got other fees, resource fees, PTA levy per child, um, and that's prep has resource fees and stuff like that. And I'm sure CIS probably has, although they don't have anything separate listed, but maybe they have other types of fees as well, but they only here, they don't actually have that listed. Whereas on preps it is anyway, it's not about the fees and the money when you think about the experience that your children is actually having. So it's not half the price. So I think we can put that to bed. I'll send you the links if you want. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about this. Um, that was the high school fees, $500 difference. So let's let's talk about this situation, folks, as it relates to um, a case that we recently covered. Now, you know, I cover, I, we write about cases all the time. And I guess some people don't pay attention to CMR, to our platform, until they end up on it. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, why are you picking me? Why are we talking about this? I'm like, clearly you've never had CMR before. So that would be the foundational error that we're making. Because when you make a statement like, um, oh, you don't report on anybody else's divorce, 
then I know that you're not really, you're not informed, right? So this is this lady. Her name is Khadijah. Um, let me show you guys the article in case you missed it. Her name is Khadijah McLean. Um, I looked at her and I thought, well, she's not a Caymanian. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, but McLean, maybe she married a Caymanian. And sure enough, she did. Uh, she's actually, I think, from Canada. Um, I guess she's Indian background. Uh, but anyway, she grew up in Canada. I think she might have actually did her first law degree. She went to law school and stuff in Canada. Uh, someone said she met her Caymanian husband overseas. They got married. She had the opportunity to move here. And I guess they've got a couple kids, whatever. So at some point, things go sour. And listen, in life, you never know. Uh, you marry somebody, you think, oh, this is going to be it. Perfect person. I'm, I'm in it for life. Yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. And then reality hits. Um, I don't personally see anything wrong with divorce. I said, listen, you gave it your best shot. Hopefully you did. People change. Things happen. Maybe you fall out of love. Like, I don't know. I think it is incredibly difficult to find someone that you even like. Like loving somebody is a different thing because you can love someone and not like them. There are people in my life that I love and I love to love them from a distance, Joe. I don't have them in my personal life. I don't really engage with them because I do not like them. I don't like their personality. Mm -hmm. I love them for other reasons. They might be family or whatever, but me and them not going to sit down and even break coffee or a cup of tea together. That's how much I actually dislike them. So liking and loving someone is two very different things. And even in a romantic relationship, you know, you can, um, you could love someone and then fall out of love with them and no longer like them. And, you know, you end up in divorce. Now, of course, you know, divorce is normally not amicable because it's very seldom that both people are on the same page. You know, when these celebrities get a divorce, they always put out these statements where they're like, oh, you know, it's a mutual decision. Just please respect our privacy. Normally that ain't no mutual decision. It's like one person saying, I've had enough of you. You've got to go. Uh, here's my lawyer's number. They're going to take care of the paperwork. It's not like they both sit down and say, you know what? I don't really like you anymore. And the other person goes, yeah, I don't like you either. Let's just call it quits. If it were that easy, we wouldn't have a thing called acrimonious divorces. So this story, and this is where it gets a little bit confusing because Khadijah was all over Facebook. I mean, there's like 50 something comments and 47 of them were like from her. She was commenting and commenting. I was like, ooh, Khadijah. Sometimes you got to stop while you're a little bit ahead because she had so much to say that it only was opening Pandora's box, right? So she was going on and on and on. And I was just like, what did Shakespeare say about thou dost protest too much? It's like, why, why, why is uh, this story getting to you in such a way because the story isn't about the divorce and that's what she attempted to make it sound like it was why are you covering my divorce i'm like nobody's covering your divorce the the lawsuit and the story was not about her divorce at all and then she starts questioning why is it newsworthy and that's why i'm talking about it today because i want to explain to persons like khadijah and others who might not understand why we cover a particular thing. What makes it newsworthy? Well, I'm going to tell you what makes it newsworthy. And trust me when I say to you, 
Her um, case is actually newsworthy for many, many reasons. It is a very fascinating case. Now, if you've had a little bit of legal training or not, you will understand that there are cases that are so unusual in the decisions that the judge have to look at or make and in the circumstances of those as well, like the, the facts, like what led it to court, that it becomes a type of case that quite frankly, um, you have to cover in terms of news. And people cover court cases all the time. This really isn't something that is incredibly unusual. You know, newspapers cover court cases all the time. So let's talk about Khadija's um, circumstance. So again, I want to make it very, very clear that this was not her divorce case, right? We don't have that. And in fact, on the judicial website, most cases are available. Most decisions are available for the public. You can go on the website and you can go read it to your heart's content. If you want to purchase a copy of it, they have the options where you can purchase a copy of the judgment. Okay. Divorce cases tend to normally tell you who the parties are that are divorcing. So let me just show you. I'm going to open up another tab here because I'm going to leave that one there. So let's just let me show you something now with divorces, right? So normally it'll tell you we're looking at the judgments register. So these are judgments. So um, we're not going to necessarily look at a judgment. Here's one. Um, civil appeal number 12 of 2021. This was formerly, it says FAM 66 of 2014. So this is actually a, um, this one here is a family court case, right? So when you look at the beginning of it, they give you initials. They don't necessarily tell you who the individuals are. So even with the, the filing of a divorce, you can see who's filed. But situations like this, especially if it has to do with children, they will use initials to, to identify the parties. Because again, it is a public document. They expect the public to read this document. It might even be reported on by the media. And so um, they are not going to necessarily name the parties in order to protect the children. So in this case, this is about these individuals, you know, gives you a little bit of background information. So she was getting $9,577 per month in maintenance for the benefit of Y, Y being obviously the child. It had been reduced to 7,157. Now, I know some of y'all going, wait a minute, I fighting my baby daddy for $300 a month and there are people out there getting $9,000? Well, folks, that is when you get a baby daddy that's like a lawyer or an accountant. <laughs> They can afford to pay 10 grand a month <laughs> and your child has expenses because in this case, this child actually has some special needs. They even had a prenuptial agreement, child. Somebody was trying to protect some assets. Um, so then it breaks down income for the individual. He has rental income. Um, she's been self-employed in her own law firm, operating a second company, providing corporate services. Uh, um, he looks like is a public certified public accountant and an attorney and goes on then talking about, um, separation 2014. He's got assets, $250,000. 
AH acquired assets in the order of 1.6 million after the parties separated, including the capital contributions, having excluded the capital contribution, the judge took in figure. So $1.5 million uh, assets, mm -hmm. annual income, rental income, plus another rental income, plus another rental income. What's, what's all this rental income? Must own a whole block of things. The company is in a path of growth. AW has net assets of 287,000. So, you know, they, they look at all these details, right? So we might find this case interesting for different reasons. Um, and it tells you normally on page one, what the sort of, sometimes they give you a little area which tells you what, what this case is all about. Like, what was it covering? Um, amendment of, um, you know, child support under, you know, this particular legal principle or whatever. Okay, how to calculate uh, the correct calculation for child support of someone who has, uh, you know, a million dollar um, asset uh, income or whatever, $1.5 million for the year sort of thing, right? Was the 9500 was that a reasonable amount? Cost of the nanny. Ooh, she paying her nanny $3,900 a month. Can I talk to her? Mm. So that's the largest portion of the whole amount of 9,500. That nanny, ooh, child. I wonder if that's just one nanny or two nannies. Or, mm. A household, currently she meets 45% of the rental costs, 45% of utilities, additional groceries, and excess of 900. So they, they go into, listen, this is a court of appeal. This go into all sorts of stuff, right? That's their decision. This case isn't AH versus BA versus whatever. This is a situation where a lawyer, Kadisha apparently is a lawyer, McLean, um, engaged lawyers to handle her divorce for her. So you see where it says headnote, default judgment for unpaid attorney and client legal cost application to set aside. So these are all the things that the judge had to consider in his decision. Factors to take into account when exercising discretion, failure to set aside, variation of a judgment to provide for taxation of unpaid attorney and uh, client legal costs on a identity basis, subject to or pursuant to Grand Court Rule Order 62, stay of enforcement pending taxation. So those were all the kind of key things that he addressed in this 10-page document. Gives his reason for the decision. So here is a, a lady who... Um, you know, had a uh, divorce. She engaged attorneys, which was McGrath toner, and she ended up not paying in the end her the vast majority of her legal fees. So she paid, I think, five thousand dollars of a bill that was about forty thousand dollars in change. So you go to lawyers; they say, right, this is her hourly fee. The more qualified the person is, if it's a partner, you're going to pay more by the hour for them. And yes, some attorneys are four, five, six, seven hundred dollars an hour, maybe even more. And they engage, uh, you sign a contract, and then you're on the hook for the relevant fees. Okay. Now, folks, if you don't pay the fees, the attorneys, I see them doing it all the time, in fact will turn around and sue you for non-payment of fees. That's what they do. 
because they want their money and you agreed to pay it. And so it's a basic contract breach of contract. And they have a right, quite frankly, to go after you for payment of fees. Now, McGrath, Toner, they're not the only ones who do it. Um, let me see if I can actually find some others. Uh, keyword search. Um, I see it all the time, actually, in Offshore Alert, where somebody is in court and they're being sued for non-payment of fees. Normally, to be quite frank, when you see uh, an attorney show up, like you see a law firm name versus so-and-so, they're suing you for money. They just want their money. Okay? They're not too business about much else. You pay them their money. They're like, we did a job. You pay your money. So they sent her a demand letter. I mean, the details are very, very interesting in terms of what happened. So they sent her a demand letter saying, lady, you owe us her fees. She told them that she could pay $5,000 towards legal fees, but couldn't afford to pay any more. It's kind of funny when you walk up to a lawyer and you say to them, this is what I can pay. Because, you know, that's not how it works. <laughs> the lawyers will say, well, it's a contentious divorce. If it takes more time, you ain't getting away with no $5,000. That's just the retainer. At one point, she claimed that her parents were going to pay and help her with it. I guess that didn't happen. But she said that if, if it exceeded $10,000, her retired parents, this is what it says here at point 11, um, would pay for the cost of the divorce. Well, I guess that didn't happen because she sells a bill with these people since 2018. So um, it goes into quite a bit of detail, but they end up serving her. They sent her a letter before actions. That's where they send you a letter saying, hey, listen, we're thinking about suing you. You better talk to us and work it out or else. She ignored that um, to a large extent. She did speak to one of the partners, apparently, and she uh, it said here that she spoke to McGrath. He's one half of McGrath and Toner, obviously. And she said, oh, you know, she didn't think that the lawyer was doing a great job. She felt like she'd been overcharged. And, you know, she started to make all these complaints. Um, oh, the, the plaintiff, they, they, the law firm disclosed confidential information to her husband's lawyers. I mean, she was just coming up with all sorts of stuff. Uh, she had to draft documents herself. She wasn't happy with the representation. All these concerns. So McGrath says, all right, speak to Ben. I guess Ben is Ben Toner is the one who's really running the show over at McGrath Toner. Because, I mean, for his partner to say, go speak to Ben. I don't know if this lawyer fell under him or what the situation was. Um, but she's, he said, go talk to Ben. And she refused to do that, which I thought was very, very interesting. So in her legal document, she said that she did not do that because she felt like she was talking to McGrath and she didn't receive any useful response. And so she didn't see any point in talking to Toner. Well, I'm assuming that McGrath told you to talk to Toner for a reason, because probably Toner is the one who could have done something about it. Giving you a reduction in the fee or something, right? Anyway, 2019, October 2019, they issue an action before, a letter before action. She didn't respond. See, now this is where, if you're sensible, you might say, okay, let, let's work this out. It's just debt. You owe somebody money. That's all this is. Somebody's saying, listen, you owe me some money. Pay it up. Okay? So if, if you owe people money, a lot of times people understand difficult times. They understand, hey, 
you're going through a divorce, it's not always easy to pay this fee. These lawyers fees and you got all kind of other stuff going on, they might work with you. Be like, yo, Ben, can I pay a little thousand dollars a month for the next couple months to try and get this sorted out? How can you help me out here? She didn't do all that. She ignored it. Then they filed their, um, they actually filed a lawsuit. She ignored that. And I'm going to, I'm going to be very critical here on myself because let me tell you something. I ignored, I didn't ignore, ignore with, with the, um, what's his name? Uh, John Felder case. I didn't ignore the lawsuit. I actually filed an intent to defend it because I fully intended to defend it, but I didn't file the defense. She didn't even acknowledge receipt of the documents, not at all. And the court does look at it differently, believe it or not, right? And these are why these things are important. If you don't understand how the law works and somebody serves you documentation, this is one of those cases that you need to read. Do not ignore a lawsuit. Speaking from personal experience, don't ignore, file your intent to defense and file your defense. Because ignoring either step could be detrimental because what that means is they're going to get a default judgment. And that's exactly what happened here. She ignored them. She didn't file her intent to defend the proceedings. She did nothing and they got a default judgment. Now, this decision is about the lawyers getting a default judgment, which say you need to pay up. And she's trying to challenge the default judgment, which again, I have done. When I did it on my own, I wasn't successful. But when I hired lawyers, that's why you that's why you pay premium for lawyers because they know their ish. They were able to get it set aside. And there's money on the line here, folks. Legal fees, right? So she didn't bother with it. Now that she's begging the court to set it aside. So when you say you want the court to set something aside, you want the court to go back essentially and reverse that decision. Don't give them the default judgment is what she's saying. I want you to set that aside. And now I can file a defense and I can do all this other stuff. The court takes that request very, very seriously. There is a discretionary power that the court has, and they go into great detail looking at all the cases here, what the case law has said about utilizing this discretion. And I'll tell you what it actually says. So she didn't do it. And then listen to what the judge says. The defendant emailed the plaintiff advising that she definitely planned to contest that claim but that she had broken her foot and would be unable to respond to the writ until the new year. The defendant's position is that she was unable to drive for some months and filed her summons and affidavit as soon as she was able to. Other than to say that she has no real experience of litigation, so in other words, she's not a litigation lawyer, so she doesn't go to court. She does like corporate stuff and whatever, right? So I think she works as an in-house legal counsel, which is different than litigation. So not every lawyer can go to court. Uh, She has been unable to provide any reasonable explanation as to why she did not complete and return to the court the acknowledgement of service form indicating an intention to defend the claim within 14 days of the service. It also goes on to say she was unable to provide any reasonable explanation as to why she did not ask for an extension to do so. So... You know, if something comes up, you can actually ask the court like, okay, I need more time than the 14 days. So she says that she had a broken foot. The court is like, "Mm, okay. Um, I think at one point they actually said they don't know if the broken foot was during this 14 day window of time or not. 
But, you know, at the end of the day, she didn't ask for an extension. She didn't, and, and trust me when I say the court has, because of COVID, the court has really, and this is right before COVID hit, the court has really gone out of their way now to try to make it easier for people to file documents online. Like you basically email your documents in. You get your payment from the bank, you send them proof of payment, you email it in, and they're happy with that. Pre-COVID, what could she have done? Well, she could have gotten all the papers done up, printed it off, just sign it, and acknowledge the, the lawsuit. It's a simple form, actually, because they attach it to, when they serve you, they attach the acknowledgement paperwork and you just say, yes, I'm going to defend. And you just send somebody to court with it. Just take this, drop this off at the courthouse. You hire a runner. She didn't do any of that. Now she's counterclaiming, saying that she um, wants money out of them because she had to end up filing her own documents in her divorce. They overcharged her, yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. And her divorce was de uh, delayed by a number of months because of their incompetence is essentially what she's saying. So now she wants some money. So, you know, the judge um, took his time and he went through a number of different things that he looked at. Reasonable explanation for delay. So he looked at all the cases that talk about delay. What did Lord Dyson said? If you ever went to law school, you know that Lord Dyson gives you guidance, right? Here are the cases that we look at. This is what we're looking for. So essentially he said, um, the standard bank PLC one is a big one. He essentially said, listen, here's what the case law says. This is the approach that you have to take when considering whether or not to set aside a judgment. And honestly, the things that we need to look for, like a good arguable defense, a good explanation as to why you didn't do what you did, what you were supposed to do, sorry. None of those things were present in this case. So he looked at them in great detail, uh, the learned judge, and he found that, no, I'm not going to set it aside. You got to pay. Um, so she ended up paying a total of $8,600 out of the $40,948. So she still owes $32,000. Here what the judge says. Those are significant amounts of money. So now he's going to give her the benefit of the doubt a little bit and allow the plaintiff's fees to be taxed on an indemnity basis. And he explains what that is about taxation of cost. So in other words, he's going to give her a little bit of reprieve at the end when it comes to maybe what she eventually ends up paying. And I think he's really also inviting the, the lawyers uh, toner, um, what do they call McGrath and toner to go back and have a look at what they're actually charging her. Maybe reduce it, give her a low 10, 15% discount or something. He says divorce litigation is stressful and frustrating. And just because the other party to those proceedings is difficult, does not necessarily agree, does not mean that the attorneys are not doing their job properly. So remember now she's claiming that they're horrible divorce lawyers, that her lawyer was horrible and that she wasn't getting her bank for money. So the judge says, hold on, let's be fair now. Divorce litigation is stressful, frustrating. And because you're not getting the result from the other party, it doesn't mean that the lawyers are to blame for that. Because trust me, I've seen some people, doesn't matter what lawyer you got, they're not budging. So he said he's not gonna set it aside. He's not going to grant that relief to the defendant, but he'll give her a little something in terms of the, how the costs will be assessed. He says, I also do not accept that there are reasonable explanation for the delay. 
especially when the defendant criticizes the plaintiff for failing to follow up with the court about the listing of the summing. So she's criticizing them for something that she didn't do. Stick a pin. Let me tell you why this is so important when it comes to reporting. That's exactly what happened to me in my case, except it was the other way around. So Felder's lawyers were criticizing me. That's how they got the default judgment because I missed that deadline. As it turns out, they themselves had missed the deadline, right? And not only had they missed the deadline, but because I was a litigant person, I didn't realize that they missed the deadline. And they never brought it to the court's attention. In fact, they had their staff sign an affidavit claiming that they served me on a particular day when they didn't do so. Now, some people might call that a lie, <laughs> right? And it's like, the judge was like, you got to read my case. He's like, mm -mm, we can't let this stand. So you can't hold her to one standard with, okay, you need to do this. The, the court is very specific, 14 days for acknowledgement of service, 14 days for your defense, right? You can't hold her to these requirements when you yourself missed the deadline, didn't bring it to the court attention, got a default judgment, and you've had months, in fact, oh, well over a year, to bring the error to the court's attention, and you never did so. So there was a question of, were you hiding this from the court so that you could have this default judgment stick? So this whole concept of 14 days, how important is the 14 days, folks? The, the court is very, very specific. It's important. And unless you have a really good reason, he even goes into, the judge actually goes into talking about her now as the defendant and says she's an officer of the court. Even if she's not an experienced litigation attorney, she's nonetheless a qualified attorney. And to ignore important court deadlines such as this is, in my view, unacceptable. So you see the importance here is it also matters who you are. So if you're just a run-of-the-mill litigant person, that's one thing. If you are a defendant that is a qualified attorney, the judge is going to expect a little bit more of you as an officer of the court. He also said at the hearing, the defendant was unable to justify exactly when she broke her ankle. And certainly she did not suggest that it happened within the 14-day period provided for the filing of the acknowledgement of service. So it's like, when did it happen and how did it impact that if it didn't happen at that time? Now, here's what's interesting. Once Khadija saw the story, sometimes you're better off just leaving well enough alone. Why did you have to post this up? There's so many elements of this that make this legally an interesting case and a reportable case for the general public. We don't just have Bobo down from Rockhole reading CMR. We've got lawyers, professionals, other people who read it, law school students, and they're like, wow, this is a fascinating story. And I can tell you that her story is fascinating because it's been trending very, very well. So here's Khadija, in-house legal counsel at Sterling Trust. She went to College of Law, she says here. And apparently she has done very well. She was academically, I think she did her articles at Ogier. Uh, she didn't stay there for very long, but she did do her articles there. And they were singing her praises when they took her on full time. Oh, she got this um, 
award, accommodation, this, that, and the next thing. So she's supposed to be pretty bright. And then she demonstrates her personality by posting incessantly on CMR. I don't know why this is posted or important, she says. Given the amount of divorce here and where all the information came from, what do you mean where it came from? It came from the judicial website, a publicly accessible website, where, well, you pay for a subscription fee, but you can read all these judgments. What do you mean where it came from? I don't know what she meant by that. Then she says, I would have thought I would be pre-informed. Why? Why would you be pre-informed? We are writing the, a summary, essentially. The story is a summary of the judgment, what the judge said. Do you think every time I cover, oh, um, what his name is, Mr. Spence, yesterday Bobo got convicted in court six and a half years for arson. Do you think I need to go and talk to him about it? Once you see the judgment, right? Or you... Um, Read the judgment. You read the case. Why would I need to talk to what makes her special that I need to talk to her? I was kind of like, she seems very confused. Now she says, oh, she's vulnerable. Justice is justice and all too common for those that are vulnerable. Well, I'm not quite sure it makes her vulnerable, but okay. And she then says he offered her remedy. Well, he didn't give you the remedy that you wanted, which was to set aside the judgment. Um, he gave you a little bit of something towards the end. But the judge had some very strong language. He says it was the plaintiff that was left in a lurch, not the defendant. He even went on to say the defendant's draft defense is unparticularized and no more than bare assertions made in an attempt to set aside the judgment and avoid the judgment debt. That's a very scathing thing. Listen, judge, judges can insult you and make it sound so good. That is... When he says the defendant's draft defense is unparticularized and no more than bare assertions, in other words, in common language, let me put it this way. He calling you bluff. He's saying that's BS. He said, this is not got no teeth to it. Uh, th this is not a good legal argument. You're just trying your best to get us set aside this debt. And it ain't going to work on me because I'm smarter than that. He says the defendant had an opportunity to obtain funding to assist her with her case, but failed to pursue it. Was that the parents, the retired parents who were gonna help you pay the bill? He says she didn't even pursue it. Hmm. So to get a default judgment set aside, it's a two limb test. This judgment says that she failed on both limbs. There's no reasonable explanation for her failure to acknowledge service. And there's no reasonable explanation for the subsequent delay in the proceedings. And she doesn't have a good arguable case even. Okay. All right. He goes on to say, this is a very important procedural deadline to have to comply with. Oh, I think I read that already. Uh, that in my view, a serious failing. This is a reportable case. Like I said, this isn't about her divorce. I don't know anything about who she's married to and what the two of them would have been fighting over. That isn't what this judgment is about. So in her attempt to try to be dismissive, I think, of the CMR article, she really exposed her hand in a very interesting way. Because she tried to claim that, oh, this is about a divorce. And why are you putting my divorce case out? No, no, no. This is about someone who doesn't want to pay a bill for a divorce. <laughs> There's a difference.
right? This isn't about the divorce, Kadisha McLean, with all due respect. Are you going to drop the husband's name, by the way? I'm just curious. She is beautiful. You mean Khadijah? Yeah, she's a good looking woman. But what does that have to do with her paying your bills? In life, do you not pay your bills because you're cute and you're good looking? Flashpoint says the husband should be. Listen, we don't know anything about their relationship. Right? So we don't know the details of any of that, what happened. But I can tell you one thing. After reading her coming back and commenting, 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 I was like, you know, I could see not having, you know, they say, see me and come live with me are two different things, right? So I could definitely see how this woman is really feisty. In any sort of argument, she's never going to be the person to ever walk away. And I don't know about you all, but one thing I know is there are times in life, folks, when you have got to be willing to just call it a day, even in your personal life. You ever been in an argument with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse? And to save the bigger thing, right? You just like, you know what? I'm just going to leave this. I'm going to just leave this alone. Not her. She kept coming and kept coming and kept commenting and kept commenting and making these personal attacks. And I was like, ooh, honey child, I don't know who you married, but he clearly never told you. You can get away with that foolishness with Bobo over there. So, because I guess he's in a relationship with you and he might be trying to save your feelings, but don't come from TD. Don't come for TD in the next side defense because I don't know you. And quite frankly, I don't care who you are, you know, because I'm not trying to be rude when I say you're nobody to me, but you are nobody to me. I try to report factually. Now, I When I report on judgments, trust me, sometimes they get a little bit long because I'm like, oh, I don't want to leave that out because I don't want to feel like I'm leaving out something important. They tend to be really long when I cover them because I'm trying to do the story, the judgment justice by including what the, the, the gist of what the judge said. He wrote a 10-page judgment. I can't write a 10-page article. It has to be a summary. But I try to be very careful to toe the line, show what he said. I put in a lot of quotes. Like if you ever read when I do a summary of a judgment, I use quotes. This is what the judge said. This was a key thing of what he said in his decision-making. I don't skirt around. Even with court coverage, you know, I try to be like, okay, these are the charges. This is it. The judge said X, Y, Z. So when you try to come at me and, and question my professionalism in, in handling this and, oh, why did you even have to cover this? First of all, it's none of your business why we cover the stories that we do. How about that? You don't run up on CNN and be like, oh, why did you put this story up, CNN? I don't want this story up. Um, it's journalistic freedom to cover whatever we want. Sometimes we cover stories just because they're interesting and weird and peculiar in a court of law, we cover a lot of different cases. And it isn't the first time that we have handled something that was related to a divorce. Remember the guy, um, the Jamaican guy there? Oh, God, what's his name now? The one who had alleged that his wife had committed fraud because she had told him, what did he say about her again? Some foolishness. And so he was claiming that she had committed fraud and, and judge... Um, Ramsey threw it out and said, no way, Jose. She didn't commit fraud. Why was that case reported on? I have never seen in this jurisdiction 
a decision about fraud in a marriage. So it was reported on because of the uniqueness of what he was alleging. Not every day. People get divorced every day. But not every day somebody jumps up and says, my wife defrauded me and that's why I entered into this marriage. In fact, you don't even tend to see annulments because that's what he's trying to do. He was get, trying to get the marriage annulled as though it never happened. <coughs> Sorry. You do not see annulments very often either. So whenever an annulment comes up, it's like, whoa, this is unusual and different. An annulment based in fraud? Huh, this is particular. And then you see what the judge said. And, you know, you have to report the details to some extent. When was the last time you ever heard? Let me ask you this question now. When was the last time you ever heard of a lawyer being sued by a law firm? Think about it. I've never, I have never, I, I mean, I started thinking back and I'm like, mm, I've heard of lawyers trying to sue the law firm, like maybe employment relationships. And even that doesn't happen that often because normally they settle and it never goes to court. I can't think of a decision that I've actually seen where a lawyer was sued by, the lawyer being the client was sued by a law firm. It just doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm sitting here looking at offshore alert because I can assure you that I watch these um, platforms all the time. So let me show you the offshore alert page, right? So we come here, we see all kinds of stuff about these um, crooks, white collar crooks, SEC accusers, crowd machine of three, $33 million crypto fraud. Of course, anything that has Cayman's name on it is reportable. So we look at those cases for that reason. But we also, by the way, Offshore Alert recently redid their page completely, completely new platform. And it's a little bit different. It takes a little bit of getting used to. So lots of crypto cases. Y'all who, who were falling all over cryptocurrency and this, that, and the next thing, you'd be interested to see how many of these fraud-related cases um, come up with Bitcoin. Bitcoin worth $80 million was stolen in malware attack. Um, so now this Dubai-based Australian uh, is suing Binance and others. They probably stole it. Not the company suing, but the other people probably stole it because it's so easy to steal uh, Bitcoin because there's no tracing of it. You know, oh, um, Jonathan wants me to increase the Zoom. Yes. Hold on one second, shall. How's that? Mm -hmm. There we go. That's a 200%. Um, so you see all sorts of cases here and offshore alert publishes the actual plaint. So in other words, when the lawsuit is filed, that is what they cover, right? So it's not just the, um, these are mostly like stories like here, here is writ of summons damages for $17,500 for non-payment of external audits. And those companies originating application. So the, the second something is filed, they actually put it up on offshore alert. So let me make it full screen. That might actually help as well. 
So there's lots of very, very interesting cases here, Jonathan. Sometimes I just scroll through them because uh, they are interesting, but you know, we report on a lot of these cases. So I can tell you that these law firms sue people all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not necessarily unusual, but for them to sue a lawyer, that is a very unusual situation. Government will sue you for money too. You know, you owe them money, they can sue you too. Make sure you know. A lot of cases here. Some of these are restoration orders, seven mile securities. This was a um, search report. They're fined $250,000 by Cayman regulators. So that's something that we, that's a type of story that we would tend to put up. So yeah, you find yourself on the other end of a civil suit and you might end up in Cayman Road just like a criminal thing as well. It's not really that unusual. And I hope Khadijah now understands the point. Right? Look at this. Who is this? Mustafa Abdel Wadad. $1.9 million fine and a ban. Jeez, mm -mm -mm. they know how to find in Dubai. Dubai Financial Services. Mm-hmm. Creditor claiming fraud. But you know, um, this website, everything that goes to Grand Court, all of the Grand Court cases end up on this website. See Walker's law firm sued by Kuwait Fund. They put it all up here, child. Now, since they've redone the website, um, Court Cayman Islands, I think, I think the um I think they have it listed a little bit differently now. Yeah, so this is everything that's been filed. And just sometimes that other section, I think, covers like stories and stuff as well. So here's Travers. Here's another example. Travers Thorpe Alberga versus Kurt Scott. So I don't know who Kurt Scott is, but they're suing him. So, oh, yes, you need to sign in. You have to have a subscription to these people, child, because they ain't going to let you read their stuff for free. So I have a subscription. Boom. Remember me, log in. Y'all see my little passwords thing there? You're not going to be looking at it. Automatically puts it in. All right. Now we're ready to rock and roll. So we go back to courts, Cayman Islands. We can do BVI, Bermuda. We can look at court all over the world. MLAT, um, extradition orders. Okay. So um, Travers, Alberga. So this is another law firm suing somebody. Uh, rid of summons for $1.1 million. Damn. What? And you can click on it and then it opened the case for you. So this is um, $1.1 million plus interest is in allegedly unpaid legal fees and expenses to Traverse Thorpe Alberga, a law firm. Whoa. No, sir. That man owes some money, child. And then this is the writ of summons. See, this is the acknowledgement service that they give you. And all you have to do is tick off. It's literally four questions. State your full name. Are you going to contest it? It's actually three questions. If the claim against the defendant is for debt or liquidated demand, 
and he does not intend to contest the proceedings, say if you're going to ask for his execution. So that's all Khadijah had to do actually was answer these three questions, sign it and send it back to court. And she didn't do that. Um, Travis Scott, I don't know who, I don't know who he is. Is he the skier? I don't know. Um, but isn't he um, Kurt Scott? I don't know who he is, but that's a lot of money. Of Milton, uh, where is this? Keenis, England? I'm sure we could maybe search him up and see what they were representing him in. So now if he allows that to go to court and there's a decision on it, you better believe we're going to be reporting that. Here's another law firm suing somebody else again. Law firms are good at suing. That's what they do. <laughs> that's what they do. HSN Chambers is suing Island Restaurants Limited. $55,000. Let's see. This is probably unpaid fees again. That's normally all you owe law firms for a child, you know. So sometimes they give a bit more. They actually attach the statement of claim in the initial bit. So this company, um, Island, what is it? Island what? Um, so yeah, engagement letter, second defendant. Who's the second defendant? Island restaurants trading as the green parrot. Who's the green parrot? And Kevin Doyle. Um, so they owe this law firm money, they say. And then they talk about their agreement. They set out different invoicing. And so, yeah, they want their $55,000. It's really not unheard of, to be honest, for law firms. They do it all the time to sue clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure I can find another one here shortly, too. I see them all the time. Now, there's different things that can be interesting about them. Sometimes it's the persons involved. Interactive broadcasting media. Who's interactive broadcasting media? Versus the Cayman Islands Register of Companies. Interactive broadcasting and media limited. Who's this? Ooh, I think this one went under radar. Interactive broadcasting media, originating application. Huh, hold on a second. Now this has got me curious. Um, uh, interactive. Hmm. So they were an application to the clerk of the court to be restored to the register of companies. So Renard Moxham, hold on a second here. So this is star 92.7. What? Oh, shit. I mean, oh, oh, snaps. They were struck off? Why? Normally you get struck off for non-payment of fees. Huh. Uh, okay. Hmm. Wow. 
Very interesting. Huh. Uh, okay. Now that's an interesting, that's a potential story right there. I'm telling y'all, this is how you find stories. Oh, somebody say, how you missed this one? Lauren, have mercy. You're right. That's from December. Wow. Interesting. Hmm. So if you're seeking to be restored, that means you've been operating without being a proper company? Speaking of which, I got to find my annual fees. You know, I got a couple limited companies you got until the first quarter. So I better get that done. But now, thank God, you can do it online, right? So I got to do mine next week. Child, don't be messing with it. And, you know, normally they don't strike you off for like one or two years. You normally get strike off for not paying fees for like a little while. So that's interesting. Star 92.7 wasn't paying their annual corporate fees. How, do, how does that happen? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, look like CMR needs to do some digging. But um, yeah, you'll see all kind of interesting stuff here. And trust me, sometimes you do miss it. <laughs> um, you know, it, it it happens. Caribland Holdings Limited, that was a restoration application, deferred dissolution, dissolution petition, rum company limited restoration. Which rum company is this? Is this Tortuga? Which one company is this? Hmm. Rum Company Limited. This one, Nicholas Buckley. Charles Nicholas Buckley, the sole director of Rum Company. I don't even know who he is. Who's is he? I can't be the one that I'm thinking of. That's not Tortuga. I don't know who the Rum Company Limited is. Interesting. Hmm. Anyway, my dear people, um, court offers a lot of interesting things. It's not just, um, it is not just criminal court. Intertrust corporate services versus monetary authority. Oh, but you know, sometimes you got to dig beyond. So Jonathan, known as his primary school fees. Oh gosh. Um, uh, no, uh, well, I'll, I'll go back and double check it, but the, um, the primary school fees, I mean, I just looked at them and they were not, um, you need to add in all the other stuff as well. And it, the monthly, like I said, it was like $500 more a month. That's not double per month. Travis Scott is that singer. No, but I know who that is. Uh, Jonathan says it's double, but look at the menus. First of all, Jonathan is right about that. You're not really comparing apples to oranges at all. I mean, let's be honest here. In terms of bang uh, for your money, he says he wishes that he can afford it. Uh, really? Have y'all been on campus? It is a very nice school. They got their own pool, their own tennis course, their own swimming, like everything. So it's not like you're paying the same price for the same thing. And yet 
Pratt has a very good reputation for their academic performance. Uh, two different systems though, right? Oh, look here. Cayman Enterprise City. They're always suing somebody too. They're always suing somebody for non-payment of rent and all kind of fees. So um, let's pull this down. Now here it is. Here it is, donkey over here. This Cayman here saying, what the heck? Oh, poor them. There, somebody sent them this message. I got this message. It looks like Romelia Daughter will be Katron's assistant. Here, the stupidity now. Now, you know, Caymanians really special, you know. Um, I hear Sandra going to 89.9. Here, the stupidity. Radio station. Her assistant got government job. CC. Sherry Ann and Graham is part of her clan. Real mafia. <laughs> They're so stupid. Is that from is that from Mario? Because he's as dumb as they come when it comes to these conspiracy theories. First of all, 89.9 is a government-owned radio station. And if you were pay half paying attention, you would know Bobo is 89.1. So let's get it right. Bobo is 89.1. Has nothing to do with the Caymans government. In fact, it is a DMS radio station. I don't know nothing about Graham or CC being on radio or anybody else. Now, this is the kind of thing that certain people who are upset because they can't get on radio um, would be trying to perpetrate. No one I'm not paying you, you any mind over there in your little corner. You getting salty for no reason. 89.1, folks. Everybody remember the, the frequency. It is coming. Now, some of y'all upset and all in your feelings because we're going to be in radio. My tweet, um... um your expectations in life are awfully low. <laughs> Woo! You can get it too if you just work hard. Work hard, know a thing or two about what you're supposed to be about and what you're doing. Just getting in front of a phone camera and talking pure BS all day, that's not it. That isn't, believe it or not, what I do. I do so much more than that. In fact, where's my schedule today? I got, I got meetings with at least two clients today, two potential clients that I will now go to and do proper presentations to. Do you know, you know how to do a presentation over there, Mario? I'm just curious. I'm not business about you. Leave people alone. Stop circulating these fake rumors and fake lies. Y'all are so salty about the fact that the progressives didn't get back in. Here what they call us, K-Man Mafia Rules. Well, call us whatever you want, honey child. We really are not bothered. Sticks and stones. Um, oh, they can't take the hot topics. Yesterday's show was really hot. So let me just wrap up. Jamelia says, when was CC your assistant? Child, I don't even know where they get this foolishness from. Yeah, they love her name and they love my name and they just salty, salty, salty. Poor them. Um, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I missed that case. Did somebody else point out another case I missed? Anyway, um, the little old lady yesterday is, um, I got to tell you, 
we're trying to get her some help. So I've got some lawyers looking into it. Here is what we now know in terms of development since yesterday. You know how Patrick is saying his name and somebody else's name, whatever, in the property? The only name on the property right now is the 85-year-old ex-wife. How that happened, because it went from the husband's name to her name, is a mystery. And this is where we think Miss Cecile has been hoodwinked into signing something that she should not have signed. Because the ex-wife's name was not on the property. When he died, her name was not on the property. So how is it that the man dies in 2019 and then all of a sudden the ex-wife's name appears in the property, she's a landowner, what it was in there before? Something stinks to the high heavens. I'm telling y'all, they have done this woman wrong. Debbie, yes, child, there are crabs in the bucket. Pour them. And you know what? I don't begrudge people with anything in life. I don't even try to look. This is my Aunt Lottie, I always used to say. Aunt Lottie's pearls of wisdom. You don't worry about what other people doing, how they earn what they got. Because you don't know how they got it. You don't know the struggles. You don't know the, the sacrifice, the tribulations. You might not even know the thievery. Maybe they stole it. You don't know, so that ain't your business. Focus on you, on your game and what you can do with your own life. But child, they're so jealous. It's like, oh, poor them. Well, you know what? This is what I always say. You know what you do with jealous people? Woo, honey, here's the, ma here's the magic formula. You keep striving and you keep doing better because all they're going to do is get more and more jealous up in their little corner. Make them jealous, y'all. Do your best every day. Get up and on your hustle. You see, they don't know nothing about hustling. They want everything to be dropped in their lap because that's how they've been getting it. You know how good it feels when you've worked for something and you can finally be like, check, check, check it off. I've accomplished this, this, and this. Remember when CMR started? We're coming up on our fifth anniversary. Oh, CMR is a joke. This and that. Poor old, the only people now that call CMR jokes is the likes of Mario, because he's came out the biggest joke. And the likes of um uh what's the next one name? Georgie Banks. That's because we just called you out on being a sexual predator and you won't leave people alone. So last night in his Newlands group, oh, they, that, that fake news, they're such a joke. Da, da. Because we had said this incident happened in North Santa States and not no fake news. Because when we make a statement like that, we're 100% certain of what we're talking about, folks. But poor old George, he thinks that he can deflect his issues on us by calling us fake news. But we're not bothered by you calling us fake news. Thank you, George. Because if your standards in life is anything, we, we wouldn't want you to be reading us, not at all. If we could choose who reads CMR, you wouldn't be on the list friend, because you got issues. You better try and sort yourself out. But people don't like get called out, Miss Lily. You know how it go, honey chill. But 2022, oh my God, I am so feeling this year. Oh, we are shooting for the stars and beyond. The CMR Daily Buzz doing very well. So yesterday I walked into Kirk office. I was actually looking for um, some equipment, like a little desktop you know, little desktop things where you can put, because I got a, several pieces of equipment now that I need to put here for my radio, you know? So I have my low, I have this stand here, which is a raise it up and down. So when I'm standing, I can raise that, whatever. So I was looking for something now to put um, my Rodecaster Pro that's coming. I've got my, um, what is other little device? My stream deck. I've got equipment, right? So I said, let me go into Kirk office and see what they got. I'm glad I went, because I think I might've found the perfect solution. 
I need to make a little bit of space in the desk, but I think it's going to work. Anyway, I walk in there with this mask on, you know, you gotta wear your mask. And this lady, I don't know where she's from. She's probably not Cayman. And she sounded like maybe she was Canadian or American or something. She's like, oh my God, Miss Sandy, I love you. And I was like, okay, thank you. It's always so weird. Um, she's like, oh, can I just tell you, I was talking to my husband and we love your show and da 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 da. And we love the makeup. You know, the makeup is my little filter. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. And um, she says, and we are loving the daily news briefs because a lot of times we don't have time to be going and reading stuff. So now we can watch five, 10, 15 minutes worth of news and we love it. And I was like, oh, wow. Thank you so much. So I sent a little message to my team, Misha, um, Kevin, and um, Renee, because Renee does a little Caribbean section. And I said, hey, you know, I was in the store today and I got some positive feedback. I just want to pass it on because this is a team effort. Thank you guys so much for working so hard to pull this all together. And Misha has been doing amazing. Can I get a round of applause for Misha? Seriously, her in a short space of time, I don't hear that Indian accent no more, child, because I was like, yeah, we need to downplay that a little bit. That gone. Misha has been doing fantastic. And you know what? It's learning. It's all about willing to learn and put it into action. What is this? Um, my daughter and I watch this cartoon thing and it says, don't, what is it? Don't think, just do. Not don't think it, don't something. So in other words, sometimes you get all caught up in the process. Just do it. Just get it done. And I said to Misha, some words, you know, you don't know how to pronounce or whatever. Thank God for modern technology. If it's a Caymanian name and she's not sure, I'm like, honey, call me. I might not always get it right. But if I don't know, I ask another Caymanian, like, how this name pronounced? How do we say this word? Whatever. And she's been doing a fantastic job. She's so pretty. Is she not the prettiest little thing? Somebody saw her over the weekend at Marlon's birthday thing. They're like, oh, I thought she was overseas. I'm like, no. She's right here in the Cayman Islands. She is married to Caymanian and she has a little Caymanian baby that's the cutest little thing in the world. So yes, I'm all about supporting locals. Now she might have been born in Cayman, but she's now one of us, child. She got her Caymanian husband. And you know, she's respectful uh, with it as well. So yeah, she's been learning. So thank you guys so much for the support and the positive feedback because I always pass it on to them and let them know that people are loving it. Um, so Nona going hard for prep school. Nobody's saying, Nona, you could be 100% right on that, but I, the fact still remains. The one school that I'm receiving the most complaints about is not CIS. I have received a complaint about CIS as it relates to this particular topic that we're gonna dissect, but that's not who I'm hearing calling up all the time. It's prep, it's not CIS. So, you know, and I got to be honest with you, I've been on the CIS campus and I see people like the little popcorn lady. Um, who, um, you know, married to Mr. Derek, the popcorn man. These are the people that have work in there at the front desk. They have a Caymanian, a local person working at CIS. I'm not saying that any of these schools are perfect and they don't have issues. They all have issues that they probably need to address in terms of inclusion and whatever. But I saw a lot of local faces, maybe not a lot. I won't use the term a lot, but I saw local faces 
even in terms of the staff and the administration staff at CIS. So, you know, whatever it is, Lily says your lady reminds me of the gravitas reporter. Who's that? I don't know who that is, but yeah, she's, she's doing a fantastic job. Um, and there's so much more. I know at first people are like, oh, well, can't you just get a Cayman in to read the news? It's so much more to that. You know, I'm going to put Kevin on, on the, on the hook a little bit here. I said to him the other day, we need to start stepping up with sports, right? Cause I feel like CMR doesn't really cover a whole lot of sports. Um, we cover like, oh, Cayman in made the masters. Now that is big news, but you know, we don't really cover like all the local sports. I wish y'all would send us more sports content cause we'd love to put it up. But I kind of feel like we need somebody to read the sports news. And I was like, Kevin, would you be interested? He's like, ooh, Sandy, I don't really know anything about sports. Like, I'm not the sports guy like that. And people think it's just about reading. It's more than that. You got to go out there and get the information, dig it up, put it together, script it. Da -da 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 -da. And now Misha, uh, you know, a month in, is doing her own scripts. Sometimes she still asks me to look them over and I'll tweak them a little bit for her. But she's learning about how to script for news. And the type of news that we're doing, we're doing news briefs. So we're not going into a lot of terrible detail. Um, you know, it's not a five minute report on one story. It's a news brief. And that is different. So now she's doing all that. And she's the one who's rendering and putting the video clips together, picking the pictures. Or the, I mean, she's doing it all. So y'all don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Oh, thank you. Yes. I don't know who Gravitas is, but yeah, send it to me. I'm interested. Um, so I think she's doing a fantastic job. Renee does a lot of writing for the website. And Renee does, a, I don't have to chase behind Renee because y'all know I hate to chase behind people. The only person I want to chase behind is my five-year-old. And that's because she's five years old. And she needs me to chase behind her. But even as she gets older, I ain't going to be chasing her either. She knows what's expected and what she got to do. Uh, you know, adults, folks, that's what it's all about. So, um... Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Again, our condolences being extended to um, any Caymanian family, but this particular family that is in a lot of pain today. We wish we could undo. You ever wish you could go back in time and just undo stuff? We wish we could take your pain away. We wish we could undo what happened yesterday. Trust me, if I had a magic wand and that was possible, there's so many things I'd undo for other people, not even for myself, you know? But then I kind of feel like we never probably learned much in life. We were able to undo everything that felt bad or was hurtful to us, right? Um, unfortunately, we can't live these perfect lives. So Al Ray says, I think you don't hear from CS because majority or all parents are probably not CMR fans, i.e. not local, living in their foreign bubble. I don't think so, El Ray, because I've heard a story. Like I said, I'm aware of a story. Um, so I don't. I don't think so. Mm, I don't think that that's it at all. And in fact, you remember. Um, El Ray and others, that one of the first stories that we did, well, not one of the first stories, because, hey, we're coming up in five years now. We're not little babies anymore. But um, we actually did a story about CIS. A CIS. Listen, we've actually done more stories about CIS than we have about PrEP. 
And the only reason we were able to do that is we got inside people at CIS. So that's not true at all. And they were parents. So y'all think expats not reading CMR, you'd be woefully mistaken, child. A lot of the people who approach me are rich people, even my dentist, child. Dr. Ironstone, he's one of the biggest fans of CMR. He's like, oh, I love CMR. I'm like, you do? He's like, yes, girl. So um, remember the one with Kathy Williams and the underage drinking? How do you think we got all the details of that story? Hmm? How we knew so much? Parents and their kids. William Squared, you can't get much more snobby and pretentious than them, I suppose. But let me remind you all, we had the goods. See here, privilege and Cayman, teen overdoses. That was June of 2019. And then a parent wrote an editorial for us. Yep. Ooh, look at Jason Howard. Ooh. Um, remember the teacher <coughs> who had an OnlyFans account? That was CIS. And we got the, um, yes, involved in a sex scandal. So CIS took care of that prompt, pronto. So uh, we got the very email and the very letter that they sent out. How could we have gotten that if parents not in contact with us? I don't know. I'm just telling y'all, you'd be surprised who is listening, paying attention to CMR, who reads CMR and who's sharing information. People who share information with us, folks, run the gamut. They really, really do. So do these schools need to be more inclusive? Of course they do. They all need to be more inclusive as far as I'm concerned. But once again, parents for not just now, but for many, many years are having an issue. So what do you think makes more sense? Oh, yes, accept some of our colored students, some of our local students, and then treat them so poorly that they become suicidal, that they have mental health issues, that other people are telling you you're paying money at prep to have your child being tortured, and the administration refuses to accept it or do anything about it. Trying to compare them to CIS or any other school doesn't really cut it. That's, that's not the kind of excuse that I'm looking for. You know what I'm saying? Even if you only had five students at um, CIS and they're actually having a good experience and they're integrating well, how does that address what's happening over at PrEP? So this deflection, Nona, of wanting to focus on CIS, I'm not sure how that gets us anywhere at PrEP. The other day I was at um, somewhere in Cayman Bay. Uh, I can't remember where. Somewhere. And I saw these two young ladies come over because, you know, sometimes because CIS is right there, they walk over for like their lunch breaks or whatever. And I saw these two kids in their uniform. One was black girl, other girl was a white girl, whatever. And they were talking and enjoying each other's company and talking about God knows what, whatever things little teenagers, good girls talk about. And I thought to myself, Mm. this is so nice to see just everybody being inclusive. You know, um, Blake from 106, his son goes to CIS and he was um, showing me the other day, 
actually, he showed me a photo. Let me see if I can show this because I think y'all are underestimating how many people at CIS are diverse. But anyway, um, he sent me a little picture of his son saying that his son, um, they had, oh, yes, here it is. I'm going to show you all this. So they were, um, they had a little, um, I don't think he'll mind this, but he, they had a little um, dress up day at school. And this was him, his little son, you know, Caucasian kid, walking hand in hand with a little girl of color. And he said he loved this because the Caribbean has people of all shades and colors and, you know, textures and everything else. And this is at CIS, by the way. They had their little Halloween party at school. And um, you can see the one of the, I guess, I don't know if she's a teacher, teacher's aide behind holding a little girl's hand. She's obviously a person of color. You can see part of her leg. And look at the two of them just holding hands. Children don't know anything about color and textures and all this kind of stuff. We teach them, folks, to look at the differences from people and to judge people um, differently based on that. And how you react to a situation is indicative of how you really feel, right? So when a child comes to you and says, another child has called me the N-word, and you're like, oh, you're being too sensitive. That, to me, says volumes. And it should never be, that kind of thing should never be acceptable anywhere, especially in schools. Bink said the average black parent can't afford to go to CAS, and I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. Let me give you a perfect example. We were talking about finances earlier in the show. Um, $25,000 a year. Let's round it up for your child's education. Some of y'all rolling around in $50,000, $60,000 cars or $80,000 cars. And you're paying the equivalent of your child's tuition and a car payment, high interest car payment every single month. Y'all just don't want to invest in your children. You think, oh, government school is fine. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with government school. But then when you have to start filing police reports because your kids are getting physically ganged up on, and you have to put them in self-defense classes that you then have to pay for, karate classes that you have to pay for. You can afford to take your children to Miami shopping. You drop 10 grand on a shopping trip. You don't even blink an eye. Banks, it's not about what you can afford when it comes to your children's education. It's that most of you don't put a value or price in education because you're so used to getting it free. How many of y'all can afford school lunches, but you're like, oh, yeah, school lunch is free. That's great. Well, nothing in this world is free, honey. Government paying for it, yes. But that will be coming back to you in some other way. We all pay for it. So it's not a matter of what parents can afford to do with their children. The vast majority of parents, if they wanted to, could afford a $25,000 per annum education. But they don't want that. They don't even want to buy notebooks for their children. They want everything for free. And going through life with that type of mentality, wanting everything for free, never really works out well for most of us. When you start to put value on something, and um, yes, it's going to cost you this, you're like, wow, 
gotta budget. Gonna work hard. Gonna focus on giving my kids a quality education. Smaller classrooms. What are some of the things that you pay for? Smaller classroom sizes. A bit more diversity. A lot of parents don't want to send their kids to government school because the only people they're gonna get exposed to are other Caymanians. That's fine, but in the real world, they gotta work with everybody. They, there's no workplace that you can go to that is going to be all Caymanians, with the exception of hmm, not even government anymore. Immigration, mostly. Police, nope, definitely not police. Customs, yes. They only hire Caymanians still. Um, fire, mostly. Well, now we have a Caymanian leader, so we can say yes. That'll be that'll be good. Who who else? Where else might they go and only say Cayman? That's about it. Exposing your children to like experiences in life, sports. Remember Alric Lindsay? I always thought Alric's story was really interesting about how he got a scholarship to go to university and all this kind of stuff because he played squash. Squash isn't typically a black person sport. But you know what? They're like, oh yeah, you look like you could be good at squash. Okay. And he did it. And he was, I guess, decent enough at it. But more importantly, it gave him access to so-called people on the other side of the tracks, not from Windsor Park. And they're like, wow, this kid, you know, I talked to him. He's got his head on straight. He has potential. When he walks into our accounting firm for a scholarship, yeah, we're going to give him a scholarship. And that's how he got his, his scholarship. If we all want to live in our little cubby holes, right? I only am going to have Caymanian friends. And I'm only going to hang out with Caymanian people. And I don't want any white people in my life. I don't want any foreign people in my life. That To me, that doesn't really make any sense. When I went to the U.S., my biggest struggle as a eight-year-old, nine-year-old, was trying to all of a sudden integrate with people that I was like, who are these people? Like, I don't know what this, they didn't even understand me. They're like, what foreign language are you speaking? And me and my little Caymanian accent as a little nine-year-old, I was like, what? Foreign language? I, it was sink or, uh, um, what do you call it? Sink or swim, literally in a new cultural norm, a new environment. And I had to pick up very, very quickly to be able to survive because it ain't for everybody. But that diversification, even at a relatively early age, and in the US, they force it on you because my aunt lived in a predominantly African-American neighborhood. And there were schools close by and they're not letting you go to those schools. They're busing you halfway around the city to go to a school out in the boondocks, quite literally, passing the cows, we would drive so far into Riverdale. I mean, God, I'd be falling asleep by the time I got to school. I saw the cows and all kind of other animals and the farm animals and the da, 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 da. And you go out into these areas. All my teachers were pretty much white. They were not people of color. But they were forcing integration because the U.S. has had a problem with this for a minute. And sometimes you have to force integration. So um, Debbie's comment says that her niece has been introduced to more of a diverse environment and she's thriving and there are kids that will, will thrive. I don't stand for any form of 
discrimination. No way, shape, or form. And I know that it's happening in the workplaces a lot of times, and it's happening in, uh, you know, schools here in the Cayman Islands. Larry says kids are born totally innocent and affected from the earliest age by their caretakers. Prejudice and racism are learned. Best way to teach your kids is by example. I think that that's true. You have a diverse group of friends. Even when you travel, I think you ex you extend your experiences by traveling to foreign places and you see different people, you see different ways of life. I think all of that is really, really important. So Bink says she has a $5,000 car, don't own a house, can barely buy groceries, but I do it all myself. So I'm not talking from my, so I'm just talking from my own experience with single parent. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, not everyone. And it doesn't matter whether you're Caymanian or not. There are other people here too who come in and they're making $1,200 a month as a salary. If they have a child, they have to send their child back home. They have to be separated from their child because their child can't stay here and can't go to government school. And they can't afford to send their child to a government school, to a private school anyway, much less CIS. So absolutely, I'm not saying that anybody can afford private school and, on minimum wage. So Aliano says a lot of average Caymanians are making 25 to 35. Uh, most women are single parents. Lots of men are very hands-off. And you see, this now is where I want to talk about, because yesterday we were talking about this. Um, as individuals, we all need to be making some better decisions. Now, don't get insulted, because y'all like to get all up your feelings when I talk about single parenthood. Every woman who has been out there, and all y'all have been, none of y'all on the virgins listen to the show most likely, you know that you have a choice of what you want to do with your body. Okay. And so I don't believe in telling people not to have sex. I'm like, you know what? Knock yourself out. Have as much sex as you want. But single parenthood is a tough life. I know. Not from experience. Because I didn't do it myself. But my mother was a single parent. And I saw what she went through. And I look at her and go, why did you have eight children? I guess I shouldn't really ask the question because I was number eight, right? So if she didn't have eight children, I wouldn't be. But still, I do ask the question because it don't make no sense. And this is one of the reasons why those of us who come from poverty often stay in poverty because we make the same life choices, the same decisions as our parents and their parents before them and their parents before them. One of the guaranteed ways for you to stay. And oh my God, we're so into overtime. Oh shoot, what time is my meeting today? I gotta get going, Joe. So that I don't end up in poverty, I gotta keep my clients. One of the surefire ways to remain in poverty is to have children you cannot afford. Hmm? So getting pregnant before you're ready, getting pregnant before you have an education and a more than a minimum job, minimum wage job, Focus on the things that will help you elevate in life. Having children will help you elevate. That's why as a 40-year-old, that's when I'm like, okay, I might be ready now. Because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready emotionally. I didn't have the man. And I'm sorry, but if you can't put a ring on it and you can't commit to the relationship and bring something meaningful for the table, 
you don't get the privilege of having a baby with me. You might get the privilege of sex. That's a totally different situation. But you don't get the privilege of breeding me. I'm sorry, but it don't go so. And these are the tough decisions that we need to start having with our young people. Why are you having sex with little Bobo over here that not got no sense? He not got no job. He not got nothing to offer you. And he already got five children at the age of 25. What makes you think that child number six that he having with you going to be any better? I got to tell you one story and then we're going to cut it because I got I actually do have to go to work. <laughs> Yesterday, a woman called me. This is the second time she called me now about this man. This no good baby daddy. And she starts telling me all kind of stuff about him. Um, every time he has a child, they aren't married, but she had a baby friend. Every time he has a child, the child come up with bruises and scrapes and this and that. And she's like, I don't treat my child like this. I'm complaining to the master and the police. No, but I'm not doing that. And, da, da, da. and I'm listening. I'm like, oh, Lord. And then she says, and Miss Sandy, you know who he is? You know, and I said, oh, oh I do. Yeah, he DJ so-and-so. I said, but for father, but geez, I'm peace. What? You would make him breed you? I don't even know this woman, you know? And for, for real, I was like, you got pregnant for him? As much as we covered him on CMR and talk about he not no friggin' good, you got pre She was like, I know, I know, I learned too late, but I want one other girl. I was like, geez, I'm peace. Apparently, you're ready to go and get somebody else pregnant. Because he looking for an anchor baby to be able to stay in Cayman. Because immigration should have shipped his ass back to Jamaica a long time ago, and they never did it. So he always scamming, always getting married to Fufu, came out and girls, but they, you know, marriage is a convenience. They wasn't lasting. So now he finally jumped up and gone and get somebody pregnant so he can have an anchor baby. Mm -mm. Wow. Y'all need to make some uh, brighter decisions. That's all I can tell you. And your decisions will impact the quality of your life. Seriously. And then you bring children into the into the mesh, the mix up. Now this poor little girl, this poor little baby, always got bruises and scrapes and whatever. And the court, like, yep, you got to give them to the child. And he can only afford to pay $100 Um a month in child support and they always back and forth. I was like, wow. <sighs> I know y'all don't like to listen, but sometimes you got to listen. Yes, Natasha. Birth control is a woman's friend. <laughs> if it's cheaper, what? It's a lifesaver. Get the long-term options, y'all. No, sir. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, it is a vicious cycle. And at some point, you've got to make the decision to break the cycle for yourself and your children. Oh, you, yeah, you know who he is, child. You know exactly who he is. Scammer, sexually harassing. And then she's like, oh, he lied to me about his age. And I said, you wasn't reading CMR. Well, I'm pretty sure we told you how old the man was. Because he, he almost old enough to be my dad. I was like, mm. Mothers, talk to your daughters. Because they don't know. They're growing up too sheltered and too foolish. And y'all need to talk to them about these gentle wannabe, you know, DJs and promoters who are just here to use people to be able to stay in Cayman. And they'll hump on anything, try and get you pregnant. Kick them off. Have your girls and young men have higher expectations for their lives. Because I don't like to see these young men going all over the place breeding girls. 
and I got nothing in life to show for it. They don't even have the time to spend with baby number 12, 12, 11, 18. Come on now. Let's step it up as a community. Anyway, you guys have a wonderful day. We are so blessed. Too blessed to be stressed regardless of what your situation is. There are things that you can do, folks. You're feeling depressed. You're feeling upset. There's help. We need a 1-800 hotline here in the Cayman Islands that gives you access to overseas professionals. I don't know why we don't have this. I keep hearing excuses, but I don't understand the excuses. I should be able to pick up the phone right now if I'm having a suicidal or depressing moment. Call a toll-free number from the Cayman Islands and speak to somebody. These call centers exist. I've worked at one in the U.S., so I know that they exist. Why can't we have that option of every single where you go and came in, you see a bumper sticker, you see the number plastered, feeling depressed, call 1-800-whatever. And it's not somebody came out who's going to be all up in your business, your family business. It's like proper professional help. I don't care if they're in Miami, New York, whatever. Pay them to take our calls. This would be worth, this would be government, this would be worth it. Somebody's having a stressful moment. You know what I'm saying? Call them for help. Because I always feel like if somebody was there in your most dire moment of need, and they were just like able to talk you down. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's help. Things will get better. Nothing ever remains the same. So right now you're down and you feel like you can't get any lower. Believe me. Brighter is up ahead. Just hang in there. Right? One phone call away. One chat message away. Can we not have therapy by chat messages? Like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like there's so much more that we can do. So someone messaged this morning. I'm going to read this message and then we're going to end the show. This person said, um, thank you so much for talking about mental health this morning. A lot of people really don't understand the difference between clinical depression and temporary sadness. And there's a huge difference. And I think um, a lot of times when people talk about depression, they try to contextualize it with what their experiences have been. Like, oh, I felt sad when my granny died. That's not what depression is. And I suppose this is where we need to try to educate our people more. So I'm going to invite foundations in the program like the um, Alex Panton Foundation I'm also going to reach out to Kevin because I know Kevin has a lot of resources with medical professionals in the U.S. We've seen him do the COVID series. And Kevin, I don't even know if you're listening this morning, but I would like for us to do a mental health series. And I'm going to beg you to do that because it's not like Kevin works for CMR. He just helps us out, right? So I'm going to beg Kevin to look into doing a mental health series. right? These are some of the things that we can do to help. We all have a role to play um, in this. When your kids are talking to you folks, pay attention to your children. 
listen to them, engage with them. I know for me last night when I heard that news, oh my God, I just wanted to hug my daughter, squeeze her just a little bit more before bedtime last night. And my husband's always complaining, when are you going to return back to the matrimonial bed? Because I sleep with my daughter every night because she doesn't feel comfortable sleeping by herself. And it's times like this when I say, you know what? I don't really want to sleep with her till she's 10 years old. God knows. But if I have to, if that's what's going to build her confidence in life, build her self-esteem, she's unsure, she doesn't want to be by herself. She went to East End with me last night to cover the meeting because he was working late and then he had to come and get her. When we got there, she was a bit uncertain, different environment. She's only five years old. She's like, mommy, hold my hand. Because I don't want to get lost. And I'm thinking, I'm at the East End field. Where is there to get lost? But in the mind of a five-year-old child, she just knows that this place is different. Right? It's weird. It's different. I haven't seen these people before. This is late at night. Seven o'clock. Late at night. So, yes, I'll hold your hand. You all I got, child. I'm going to be there for you any way that I can be. You know, you've got to be the champion for your kids. Sometimes that means making noise and going to battle for them. Highlighting injustices in the world, in their schools, wherever. But you're it. You're their champion in life. Nobody else is going to look out for your kids like you look out for them, or that should be the case. And every day I feel an urgent need to do more. And I wish I could clone myself and do more. But even yesterday, I had a situation with um, the situation's really been getting under my skin. There's this family. The young lady was um, molested by the stepfather. He tried some stuff. Ironically, while his Caymanian wife was in the hospital having his baby. He's going after the stepdaughter, 12 years old. And some things happen and never went anywhere with the mass unit. So every single time a particular family member messages me, they're very upset about the outcome. The police didn't do enough. They didn't talk to people. There's no independent investigation here. They're really upset about it. Every single time they message me, I message the RCIPS. I say, Commissioner Baines, Something is wrong here. I don't think your police officers handled this right. And this is like about five times now. In a couple months, I keep messaging him because every time the family member messages me, I know it's heavy on their heart. And I message them and I message the police and I message the police. And you know, this week they say sometimes persistence pays off, right? Uh, we got a little bit more information about why the girl might not have really fully spoken to the police when they were doing their initial investigations. And so um, I emailed the police again, the commissioner, and he said, you know what? I don't feel like, um, I, after five, six times, <laughs> yes, I don't feel like our officers did what they needed to do. He said, I've listened. This is Commissioner uh, Burns. I've listened to the voice note and sense that we're dealing with a difficult situation apparently not addressed properly by the RCAPS. Thank you for sharing and grateful if you could provide me with the contact details of persons my MASH unit need to make contact with, early contact with, to progress or at least interview, review investigations 
and the risk to the child or young person. Thank you for your assistance. So after number five or number six times of keep messaging this man about this, this is an issue, this is an issue, this is an issue. He finally said, I don't think my officers have handled this right. Imagine if we had given up after the first email, nothing happened. Now, I don't know this young lady, but she's a Caymanian. That's all that matters to me. She's a child. That's all that matters. She should, she should feel safe. In her home of all places, and if there's a predator in the home, there's absolutely no way that you can feel safe. And so I was so happy yesterday when the commissioner found, and I was glad to send him that name and number. Yes, please have them call. Let's stop these predators, man. So sometimes you have to not only protect your own children, but you have to try to protect other children in the community. And, you know, yesterday I got some amazing messages. That person sent me a voice note and she said, boy, she said, San, I wish I could have 10 of you. It would be such a different world. She said, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You have no idea. Because this child now is on the verge of becoming a lost teenager because of what happened with her. And she hasn't been able to cope with it. And there has been no justice, no intervention, no help, no nothing. In relation to the elderly lady that we were trying to help yesterday, someone also sent me a message about that. And they said, you know, I'm not trying to, um, you know, I guess, well, how, how did they word it? I'm trying to see if I can find the message because they worded it in a very interesting way. But basically, they're like, you know, I want you to, I want to be honest with you because uh, this, this is what they said. They said, you are a blessing for both Cayman and your parents. They must be so elated to have you as their daughter. This is not flattery. It's reality. Because they felt like I was really trying to get this woman's story out there. Not with a view to airing people's dirty laundry. That happened. But with a view to getting her help. Because something is wrong here. Something is wrong with the situation. Right? So now people are reaching out to other agencies, DCFS, the crisis center, to see who else can help her. She shouldn't be living in a laundromat with like no clothes, no place to go and shower. She's been taken to the beach to have to get a shower. All this kind of stuff is ridiculous. And so these are some of the injustices that we see in our society that you got to speak up. So, yeah, I have a big mouth. People, Some people listen. Some people don't listen. But if it takes using my big mouth and my voice to help other people, then that's what it is. All right. Folks, we've got to talk about prison because I understand the prisoners are under some serious stress because they tried to reach out because they did reach out to me. They're punishing them now. We're going to talk a little bit about that. So maybe we'll do that on tomorrow's program um, and anything else topical that's going on. You guys have a wonderful day. I got to get to work for real now and I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the cold hard truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.